And now, here's Gene Steinberg. This episode of the Paracast is brought to you by Audible.com, the Internet's leading provider of audiobooks with more than 75,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature, including fiction, nonfiction, and periodicals. For free audiobook of your choice, go to audiblepodcast.com slash Paracast. That's audiblepodcast.com slash Paracast. And now, on with the show. You know, one of the things we always try to mention because they get more and more fascinating is our forums at forum.paracast.com, forum.paracast.com. As you should know, Chris O'Brien, our co-host for this week, is one of our forum moderators, which means he takes all the guff. Yeah. Well, not all of it, but I take my fair share. A little bit. <laughs> we have two others, Ron and Angelo. Angelo is a bit of a forum skeptic. He's our house a, a, skeptic. A bit. You have something else to say about no. Angelo. Angelo's great. Uh, both Angelo and Ron are doing a, a really good job on the forums. We've uh, we've had quite a, a few sign-ups, uh, a lot of new people, a lot of fresh uh, perspectives being brought to the forum threads. And, uh, yeah, everybody should go to the Paracast forums. That's right. So it's forum.paracast.com. Paracast.com, forum.paracast.com. Actually, there are many rows to the same destination, but that's one that's easy to remember. Play nice. Play nice. Sometimes things get a little out of hand over there. It's been better lately. But then we have, of course, people like Angelo and Ron and, of course, Chris to rein them in. And I become the benevolent dictator. If they all disagree on what to do with somebody, they say, Gene, what do we do with this guy? And I say, off with his head. You know, the Red King. That's right. That's right. Hey. A few weeks back, we were talking about your webcam in Colorado. Yeah. What's the status of that? Maybe give people kind of a summary of what it was, what you did, and where we are now. Well, I've been working on an idea for near 20 years now of going ahead and putting together a surveillance net of video cameras around the San Luis Valley, where I spent many years as a field investigator and still have a team of sky watchers and investigators there that help out. I combined my vision with the vision of uh, Wayne uh, Hollenbeck and uh, Bella Alanis from um, uh, L.A. MUFON, MUFON OC. We've just kept our noses to the grindstone, and we've been able to get uh, a beta test of, of our first camera, which was set up in the middle of the valley. We got two solid weeks of data. And now we're in the uh, final stages of getting a second and third camera together. We're going to do another two-week beta test. We have uh, a very world-class uh, top-of-the-line software designer and engineer who's who's putting together target acquisition triangulation and uh the ability for the cameras to all focus in on a single event so uh, all this will be coordinated over the internet and uh we're really excited about uh, the project we have uh, some pretty interesting footage already from the initial two weeks uh which is uh, enabling us to calibrate our our system and uh, through the winter here, we're going to be doing another two-week beta test uh, with the second and third camera. And by the spring, we should be ready to go. I'm real excited about it. Okay, so hopefully we'll see E.T. when they land. We'll see Bigfoot when he goes out looking to forage in the forest. And we'll see uh, whatever it is that's mutilating cattle in the San Luis Valley as well. Have we had any more mutilations lately? 
No, the last case we had was in July. It happened at the base of a mountain that will eventually be one of the seven camera locations. So if we had had a camera up at that particular point in time, we would have been able to capture whoever had done this, if it was indeed something high strange uh, that had lights or, you know, was able to be uh, seen with a, you know, optically with a camera lens. Of course, the camera would have been about... 8,000 feet above the actual site, but uh, these are pretty high-res cameras that go up to 36 times optical zoom. So we're we're uh, we're real excited about monitoring the the mysterious San Luis Valley and trying to get uh, some real good quality hard data. Now the question I have is, when you try to do surveillance of places like this, quite often the phenomena deserts it temporarily. In other words, you put the cameras in front of something, and whatever is doing whatever it's doing, it goes away. Or in the case of the uh, Sherman Ranch up in Utah, and NIDS put up cameras uh, looking at one another, and one of the cameras actually had all the uh, wires ripped out of it while the other camera was filming, and they were unable to see any sort of uh, perpetrator of the actual vandalism on the second camera. So, yeah, you never can tell in this realm uh, what's going to happen, but we're hoping for the best. We have... uh, we have some good good people working on the team and good people on the ground uh, that are going to be helping maintain the system. So, you know, we're hoping for the best. All you can do is give it your best shot and see what the data provides you with. And keep your fingers crossed and all that kind of thing. Now, as far as listeners to the Paracast are concerned, now, I know you gave us a link some weeks back to the beta webcam, and maybe they were having some difficulty accessing your stream. Yeah, it was only up for two weeks. Uh, we decided to go ahead and, and um, we're going to have to get a dedicated DSL line to shoot the signal out of the valley. So right now we aren't up, but we were up for about two weeks uh, through the MUFON uh, OC uh, web website. So now it's down, but uh, we're hoping here in the next week or two to get the thing back up and functioning. And as soon as we do, I'll make an announcement on the forum. Okay, yeah, we'll be looking forward to that and seeing what happens. Maybe one of our forum members will be sitting there watching it and seeing Bigfoot. Now, do you have a way of recording this data so we can get some digital movies? Yeah, yeah, it's all being recorded 24-7. Uh, eventually, we're going to go into a a record uh, function when we have an event triggering the system. So we'll actually have a second set of recording uh, that will be a composite recording from all the cameras focusing in on a single event. Each of the cameras will be recording, though, uh, full high-res uh, data stream. Okay, so you just need a decent broadband connection to see all this? Yeah, anybody got 55 bucks uh, times five months and <laughs> can help us out? We're always uh, looking for some financial help for the, for the system, but uh, that's our plan. We want to at least get two weeks of, of streaming data to uh, you know, go ahead and, and calibrate the cameras, uh, the, the first of the... Th- the first three of the seven cameras that will be up. Now, we'll look forward to more. And by the way, maybe what you should be doing is at ourstrangeplanet.com, set up a donate link for people who want to donate to the webcam. That's a good idea, Gene. Okay, so this way, if you're not donating to me, and I always need money, if you're not donating to the show, and the show always needs money, and you're not donating to Chris, you can donate to the webcam. Very good. Good idea. Okay, I'll help you set up that PayPal link so we can do it that way. And help you along. Now, we've had some really good reaction to the presence of longtime researchers. So a couple of weeks ago, of course, we had Larry Bryant, who's been doing it for many, many years. 
And he was just a very fascinating guest. And we have another guy, Ron Regeer, longtime friend of yours, who's also somebody who's seen it and done it and has loads of information to present. Tell us about him. Well, Ron, I first uh, became aware of Ron back in uh, 1994 when the TV show Sightings did an episode on the NORAD event, which occurred in the San Luis Valley in January of 94. And one of the things that, uh, that I noticed right off looking at the segment was they had a, an aerospace engineer on there uh, confirming that uh, the DSP satellite uh, had picked up a heat bloom in the San Luis Valley, and he was confirming that to the program. Well, I immediately got all excited. I had never heard of him, so I called him up, and we've been friends ever since. He's an absolutely fascinating guy. He's a retired aerospace engineer. Uh, for many years, he was the state director for MUFON in Utah. He's uh, done quite a bit of research in various areas, including Roswell. Um, he was the one that actually was able to read the letter that was in General Ramey's hand at the famous Roswell press conference where the Jesse Marcel photo, famous Jesse Marcel photograph was filmed. And he spent quite a bit of time and, and uh, some money getting into the actual letter in Ramey's hand to read that. And we'll talk about that today. He's also uh, been involved in being interested in UFOs since he was a kid. So, you know, along with his 36 years of experience at Douglas Aircraft and Aerojet, he's also been uh, a closet UFO buff as a kid. And now uh, he's, you know, quite public with his interest in UFOs. And he worked on uh, the Apollo Project. He worked on the Skylab. He worked on the DSP spy satellites and other... So he has a really solid background of experience, and we'll get to that. Absolutely. Ronald Regeer coming up next. Our co-host is Chris O'Brien. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in... The Paracast. As you know, the Paracast is brought to you by Audible.com, the Internet's leading provider of audiobooks. With more than 75,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature and featuring audio versions of many New York Times bestsellers, for listeners of the Paracast, Audible.com is offering a free audiobook to give you a chance to try out their service. One book to consider, for example, is Above Top Secret, the worldwide UFO cover-up by Timothy Good. Timothy Good, as you know, has been a guest on the Paracast. Yet another book worth considering from Audible.com is Lies and Deception, UFOs and the Secret Agenda, from Timothy Good once again, and also from our old friend Nick Pope. As you know, Nick Pope has also been on the Paracast. This is another book that you're definitely going to want to check out. For this book or another free audiobook of your choice, go to audiblepodcast.com slash Paracast. That's audiblepodcast.com slash Paracast. As many people know, ever since President Nixon took us off the gold standard, the U.S. dollar has been devaluating. What people don't know, however, is how this directly affects your personal finances. Is there a way to protect your portfolios from losing value? The answer to all of this is gold and silver. They both have maintained their purchasing power for 6,000 years. If you had $100,000 in cash and $100,000 in gold and silver back in 1913 and kept them until now, your cash would have the buying power of only $4,800. But your gold and silver would have the buying power of $3 million. The answer to protecting your assets is simple. Call John Ballman today at 1-800-686-2237, extension 169. Get all your questions answered before your money is worth zero. Call one 800 686 
2237, extension 169. Take action today while we still accept paper dollars for gold. That's 1-800-686-2237, extension 169. Before you throw away your used batteries, you need to listen to this. Now, going green can save money. Go green and save money by giving life to your used batteries by charging them with the Renaissance Charger. The Renaissance Charger uses a new revolutionary battery charging technology that effectively extends the life of new batteries and gives new life to used batteries. Invented by legendary audio genius John Bedini, this unique and patented charging system rejuvenates the electrochemical plate structure in the battery without additives, increasing capacity and maintaining cell integrity. Renaissance Charge offers a full line of products made in the USA for all types and sizes of batteries. Find out why our customers tell us the Renaissance Charger is the only battery charger they will ever use. Save your money. Save the environment. Visit us online at r-charge.com. That's r-charge.com. Or call us at 208-772-4514. That's 208-772-4514. Be a part of the revolution today. GCN and Battery Station are proud to participate in the 8th Annual Christmas Drive for the Troops. This year, we're sponsoring the 171st Alpha Troop Ghost Squadron Sniper Unit high up in the mountains of Afghanistan. The conditions will be cold and miserable for these terrorist hunters this Christmas, but we aim to provide these fine troops with the best Christmas possible. A list can be found at BatteryStation.com. That includes simple items like gloves, socks, unscented bar soap, toothbrushes, and other necessities. To see a list of more desired items or to make a donation, go to BatteryStation.com or call 417-257-7799 for more information on how to contribute and help show the 171st Alpha Troop that they may be thousands of miles away in the hills of Afghanistan, but they remain close to our hearts. GCN and Battery Station appreciate everyone's help letting the 171st know how much we care and thank you from the land of the free and the home of the brave. On air, online, and on demand, we are the GCN Radio Network. We want to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com that's news at theparacast.com and don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com get in on all the action at forum.theparacast.com Joining us this week on the Paracast, Ron Regeer, longtime UFO researcher, has been there for four or five hundred years and knows it all, actually more than 50 years, and I'll get into that in a moment. Our co-host is Chris O'Brien. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. Chris, please introduce our guest. Ron, uh, thanks, first of all, for being on the show. Uh, it's always great to talk to you. One of the things I think we should uh, begin with is uh, your very interesting history as an engineer in the aerospace field. That's how we actually first met back in the early 90s. Uh, we were both on the same segment uh, on the show Sightings. And uh, based on your work with the DSP spy satellite, you were asked to confirm some data that had been picked up by DSP, allegedly, and you did uh, confirm that data. But before we get into all that and other very interesting things that you're involved with, let's get a little background about you and how you got involved in ufology and a little bit about your background in aerospace. I guess it would go back to, all oh, the mid to late 50s. I'll give you a little bit of background. There was a process called the Ground Observer Corps, 
that was created by the Army Air Corps during World War II. They were concerned that the Japanese or Germans might launch attack against the United States, and we didn't have nearly enough people in the military to watch everything. Well, that was disbanded at the end of World War II and then resurrected again in 1952 with the uh, advent of the Soviet Union having long-range bombers. So my, my mother knew I was interested in airplanes, so she somehow got me enrolled as an observer in the Ground Observer Corps. And it, it was kind of heady for a 10, 11, 12-year-old boy. I was. We had uh, acetate templates that had all the different airplanes and uh, silhouettes of, of hotline to call if we saw one of these airplanes, you know, Soviet bombers. And, oh, it was, it was, it was lots of fun. That got me looking at the sky. At the same time, in those mid to late 50s, we had a rash of. I would guess now we'd call them Class B movies, you know, the afternoon matinees of all the sci-fi movies, you know, the 50-foot woman and the uh, flying saucers from outer space, and I married a spaceman, a whole, just a whole raft of these things. We would get into the movies for a, either a 7-Up bottle cap or a bread wrapper from Roman meal bread. I, I remember <laughs> Mom didn't buy Roman meal bread because we made our own, but... I'd scrounge the neighbors and ask them to save them. So we got to see those sci-fi movies, and boy, they all feature these really neat flying saucers. And so then I was really piqued in 1957 when the Soviets launched Sputnik, and I thought, those darn commies, they can't beat us. We invented the airplane. What are they doing? So that got me in the engineer's Head, I just wanted to become a, an aerospace engineer, an aeronautical, astronautical engineer, and beat those commies to the moon. And so I did. <laughs> and that's, but all along, there was this interest in flying saucers or UFOs. And as an aeronautical engineer, theirs are faster than ours. How do they do that? And so that was another driver for me. So those two paths of beating the dirty, rotten commies and flying out, finding out what made these flying saucers work merged together somehow in what was left of my mind. And I went ahead and started pursuing more and more of that sort of thing and uh, had to stop. Now, so, early so on, did you find yourself maybe agreeing with Major Donald Kehoe that UFOs were manifestations of the presence of E.T.? Yes. As a matter of fact, I'm, I was watching the TV show when he was cut off the air. Uh, I don't know if very many people remember that, but he was actually uh, bucking the party line when he said that they were from outer space and the network cut him off the air because he was violating the script agreement they had with the Air Force. Right. Well, apparently what happened here, and I remember the item in Kehoe's book about it, he was going to go on this feature about UFOs, and then he became so frustrated he deviated from the script. You're right. And then they said, well, we can't have that. This is live TV. They didn't have a seven-second delay. It's not like... TV today. You have live TV today. It's really on a seven-second delay. So they can delete something that's unmentionable. In fact, that's how our show is aired, by the way. Even though we take 
pains to make sure there's no defamatory content or one of the famous seven dirty words, the network puts us on seven seconds later. So they listen. We can't get away no, with I, it. I, I can't blame them. Uh, I, I've promised before everybody, all your listening audience, I will not have a wardrobe malfunction during this period. As a matter of fact, <laughs> if you did, and we had, you know, the, last week we actually had a wardrobe malfunction, but... What we did, of course, is we stopped and I said, hey, wait a minute, bud. We can't have wardrobe malfunctions on the show. Therefore, you're going to have to fix it. And he did. He was a uh, guy. <laughs> Jeez. I can't believe where this conversation is going, gentlemen. <laughs> Janet Jackson has nothing on you, Ron. Well, Ron, how did you get involved? Uh, yeah, tell us about your, your early work in aerospace uh, who who did you uh, go to work for first and why don't you kind of give us a brief description of some of the projects that you worked on that you you were allowed to mention okay I, I started out uh, as a young graduate engineer working for uh, Douglas Aircraft Company and uh, they opened up a facility in Huntington Beach and I was really interested in old airplanes and so I'd spend weekends working at the airport on this old airplane just scraping rust and trying to get it in flying condition and there's this old geezer there I mean he must have been all of 60 years old and he was working on it he wasn't much of a talker but uh, he eventually after about three or four weekends invited me to coffee and a little chat at the airport lounge and turns out we during the course of the discussion we both worked at the same place douglas huntington beach so he said well this is this is my racer i designed this racer i said well that's pretty cool and he said if you'd like to see the blueprints you can come on up to my office and i said oh i'd love to see him so following monday i went up there and uh, it was on the third floor, which is uh, uh, the executive suite at Boeing Huntington Beach, uh, Douglas Huntington Beach. They later became Boeing. So I was enthralled. I had to have a key code to enter that third floor. The elevator would go up, but the door wouldn't open without the proper code, and that was impressive. And then I got in this carpet, so it was real thick, and uh, the secretary had a desk about the size of an aircraft carrier and a fountain up there on the third floor. This was this was heaven. And here was this old grizzled guy, and he was wearing a suit and invited me in and spread out these blueprints. And as we were going through them and exchanging just oohs and ahs and talking about NACA wing section and cord sections, this secretary buzzed him and said your 10 o'clock or whatever time it was is here i'll tell you what we have something that's here also it's break time okay and we'll be back with ronald regare we have co-host chris o'brien i'm gene steinberg you're in the paracast okay neighbors here's the problem Face-to-face -face business meetings with clients and colleagues are always going to be important. But business travel is a hassle, and it's often a complete waste of money. Well, here's a solution for you. Do more, travel less with GoToMeeting. GoToMeeting is an award-winning online meeting service brought to you by Citrix. With just a click, host sales presentations, training sessions, or product demos right from your own desk. Avoid the hassle of traveling and still exceed your sales goals. Plus, GoToMeeting is just $49 a month for unlimited online meetings. 
Plus, voice over IP and phone conferencing is included. My listeners can try GoToMeeting free for 45 days. For this special offer, visit GoToMeeting.com slash podcast. Once again, GoToMeeting free for 45 days. Visit GoToMeeting.com slash podcast. Hi, I'm Mark Craighead, founder of Crossbreed Holsters. I designed our top-selling holster, the Super Tuck Deluxe, to solve the problems of being poked, pinched, and gouged while carrying concealed. The Super Tuck Deluxe is the most comfortable, most concealable holster on the market today. We offer a two-week free trial and a lifetime warranty. Visit us at CrossbreedHolsters.com. Don't forget, CrossbreedHolsters.com. Go solar for cheap. Want to use solar power but the price is too high? Now you can build your own solar panels for less than $200 at 123cheapsolar.com. Don't laugh. We've sold over 45,000 solar do-it-yourself kits. Watch the step-by-step videos that even non-handyman types can use. We offer a 60-day money-back guarantee. Go to 123cheapsolar.com or call 800-713-0486. 800-713-0486. Reduce your foreign oil dependency when you go green with 123cheapsolar.com. We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over five years and serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light System today complete with two black Berkey elements for only $209, and the Berkey guy will include three sport Berkey water bottles and ship everything to you free of charge. That's right, three sport Berkey water bottles and free shipping. An $87 value, yours free. Call the Berkey guy at 1-877-886-3653. That's 1-877-886-3653. Or order online at goberkey.com. That's goberkey.com today. Question, what would you rather drink, acidic water which burns holes in your body and causes loss of bone mass, or alkaline water which promotes high energy and vibrant health? The answer is clear. And if you're drinking acidic water, you're helping cancer cells and bacteria to grow out of control. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops combine a unique formula of the most alkaline minerals. Using Plasma pH Drops is the best way to alkalize your water and help you get rid of acid and regain your health and energy. Simply put 10 drops in the water you drink to raise the pH to a healthy alkaline level. Most experts agree that the water you drink should be at a pH level of 8 or higher. Disease organisms like bacteria, viruses, or cancer cannot survive in an alkaline high pH environment. Order your bottle of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops now by going directly to AlkaVision.com. That's A-L-K-A-Vision.com. Or by calling 269-409-1776. Again, 269-409-1776. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. You're in the Paracast. You never know what's going to happen next. Our guest, Ron Regeer, longtime UFO researcher, telling about his experiences in the aerospace industry. The co-host is Chris O'Brien. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. Okay, so your friend has his 10 o'clock appointment. Proceed. And as it turned out, 
We were overly successful from the NASA standpoint. Our, we had anticipated, we built 17 Saturn V rockets, and we had anticipated having very failures because if you remember our space program up until then, ours always failed. That's why, we, why the astronauts were such heroes. You know, the, the agonizing picture of the Vanguard falling over on the stand and exploding. I mean, it was, those guys were real heroes because most of our equipment didn't work too well. But uh, so we'd bid, we'd bid and designed and built 17 Saturn Apollos. And the question is, what do we do with them? You know, we've, we've satisfied all our mission requirements. And this meeting was between the head of NASA and I think it was Story Musgrave was at this first meeting, I'm not sure, and other astronauts. And so I was invited to stay, and I said, well, gee, I've, I've got work to do. And he said, well, you're with me. Who's your boss? And by gosh, he called the boss and said, Ron's working with me for a while. So that got me into... I guess you'd say the upper echelons, even though I never got a promotion out of it. But what it did was it opened some fantastic doors, and as a result of scraping paint on my own time, I was introduced into the meeting the astronauts and being sort of the, the go-to guy for Douglas for years. And uh, it, was, it was just a fascinating experience. I, I went on from there to a little company called Aerojet. And as they used to say, we don't make arrows and we don't make jets. But their claim to fame was they had built the first JATO, which was a jet-assisted, actually rocket-assisted takeoff for short takeoff and landing aircraft. And so even today, the Navy SEAL flight demonstration team has it mounted on, I think the name of the airplane is Fat Albert, a big rocket bottle to allow it, a fully loaded C-130 to take off in about 250 foot of runway. So, so anyway, that was Aerojet's claim to fame. So I started working for them on a classified project known as Project 949. And as it turned out, it was our nation's one of our nation's first and most successful long-duration spy satellite programs. Okay, so anyway, that was that was um, that our, it was uh, the system was designed and does detect uh, launches of Soviet intercontinental ballistic missiles, and so as in doing so. It turns out that we were identifying many other things. And the way we do this, is, you know, we had to identify what they were and where they were coming from and where they were going because it was very important to the United States that we knew what we were encountering. So the way we do this is uh, by measuring what we call a time intensity profile. Now imagine, if you will, a match and a flashbulb. Many of the younger kids might not even know what a flashbulb is, but uh, I, think, I think you guys do. And they both might have the same amount of energy, but when you light, ignite a flashbulb, it goes off and uses all its energy in a very short period of time. Whereas a match might have the same amount of energy, but when you strike it, there's an initial flash, and then the energy is expended over a longer duration. So those, those different intensities vary over time. 
rockets and jets and other things have varying time intensity profiles. If you plot these over on a graph, you can see how they differ. And so that was, that was how we identified different things that we saw. We still do that, but we do it electronically and with high-speed onboard computers now. So uh, we started out was kind of interesting. We'd have our, our first sa satellite system. We had an arm of detectors on a long uh, row, and that was had its complement down in the Air Force room. A long row, row of peanut light bulbs on a stick, and it would rotate with the center of rotation uh, approximating the center of the satellite. And then we had 2,000 slip rings and 2,000 detectors, and that's all kind of problems. But as these, these targets would illuminate the detectors, that would cause a corresponding light bulb to light up in back of this big glass window with the overlay of the earth pinned on it. And then there was a, an Air Force guy with a grease pencil that whenever a light would fly, she'd mark an X. <laughs> it was pretty primitive. Yeah, and, that's uh, real analog, boy. <laughs> yeah, boy, it was. And so we'd have these series of X's, and three X's equaled a launch. And so, <laughs> so that was that was the defense of the United States for several years here. That was so basically um, this entire country's security, ladies and gentlemen, depended on the light bulbs working. We didn't have these. CFL light bulbs then. I want to ask you, obviously, this $76,000 question here because all that inflation, 64000 doesn't cut it anymore. Okay, in setting up all this, find any bogeys, any UFOs? Yeah, we'd have things called valid IR sources and uh, unknown events. And we started, I, I was wondering, what are those? Yeah, because they weren't uh, glitches in the system. You know, all, all electrical systems occasionally have a, something interfere, something that causes a little tweak. But these were real targets. These were real things. And uh, we would get about one or two of those a day that would trigger our sensors. And everybody would get all excited and... and uh, Turns out that they uh, were probably uh, UFOs. Well, they were UFOs, but uh, extraterrestrial vehicles of some type. And that came to a head on the December 1984 event. And that was where um, valid IR source came from deep space crossed in front of our star sensor, which we used to align the satellite to make sure we were pointing correctly and where we were pointing and when we were pointing where. And it came by our star sensor, crossed over in front of the main detector, the primary sensor, which is pointing towards the Earth, slowed down and then proceeded to go back into deep space. Now, meteors don't do that. They don't turn. They don't make course corrections and then meander their way back into deep space, but this one did. Sounds like and, something put on a show for you. Yeah. 
And it, uh, we detected it from coming from deep space, again crossing across the portion of the Earth's disk and going back out again. And so that one what, was... What was the official, what was the official uh, conclusion on that uh, event? Do you remember? Valid IR source, unknown. And oh. what... Uh, and then several years later, maybe 10 years later or so, I got, uh, I wrote the report on that one and submitted to the Air Force, and I don't know who, who all did what with it. But about eight to ten years later, I received the page of that report on my home fax machine. And I thought, holy Moses. I, I actually thought another word, but that's one of the words that we can't say. And, uh... So I, I got this thing, and it was after hours, and I lived 53 miles away from work. Okay, now the thing and that you got on your machine there, we have to do a little cliffhanger. This is Cliffhanger okay. Time with Ronald Regeer about his longtime UFO research and experiences. Chris O'Brien's the co-host. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. Fate Magazine provides true reports of the strange and unknown. Keep up with the latest on angels and miracles, psychic phenomena, ghosts, UFOs, life after death, and much, much more. To receive your free issue of Fate Magazine, call now at 1-800-728-2730 or visit their website at www.fatemag.com. That's 1-800-728-2730. What are you waiting for? Your fate awaits. Hi, this is Tamar from Namecheap. We're a domain name and web hosting company and we really care about our customers. With domain name purchases, Namecheap offers free SSL and free WhoisGuard for a year to protect your identity from spammers. Most importantly, we care about you. If you'd like to learn more, please visit us at radio.namecheap.com radio.namecheap.com for web hosting and domain name specials. You can also follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash Namecheap or become a fan of ours on Facebook at facebook.com slash Namecheap. See you online. If you owe money to the IRS, you can't make the problem go away by yourself. But with the help of Dan Pilla, you can get your problem solved once and for all. Hi, I'm Dan Pilla. For 30 years, I've helped thousands of people solve their tax debt problem, and I can help you solve yours, too. We take a very simple but proven three-step approach to solving your problem. First, we stabilize IRS collection actions so you don't have to worry about the IRS seizing your bank account or paycheck. Next, we build a comprehensive plan to get your tax debt reduced to the fullest extent possible, sometimes even completely eliminated. And finally, we work with you every step of the way to get your problem solved once and for all. Call us for a free consultation. Call 1-800-346-6829. We'll work together to get your problem solved guaranteed. Dan Pilla has been protecting taxpayers from the IRS for three decades, and he can help you too. Call us today at 800 800- 346-6829 that's 800-34-NO-TAX Alex told you the government announced recently that the recession is over. It ended on June of 2009. The millions of Americans unable to find work might not agree. Perhaps the recession ended for the bankers and government employees, but for the rest of us, things seem to be getting worse. Gold and silver haven't heard the news either. They've begun their long-expected journey to the moon. In addition to converting your shrinking dollars into gold and silver, you should consider a food savings account from eFoods Direct. They both make fabulous investments. 
Food is our greatest dependency, and we know it will be more precious than any financial resource. You and your family need food to survive a crisis, and you can't eat paper, stocks, or metals. Alex has been urging you to invest in delicious, easy-fix meals to enjoy now or save for long term. This will freeze the cost of your food while you can still afford it. Visit eFoodsDirect.com on the Internet or call 800-409-5633. That's eFoodsDirect.com or 800-409-5633. Hurricanes, ice storms, blackouts, and the prospect of civil unrest. When the unexpected happens, will you be ready? Hundreds of concerned citizens across America have already installed wind generators to help protect their families in the event of a disaster. So act now and build your own wind generator with an easy-to-assemble kit from windbluepower.com. Wind Blue Power carries the best battery charging wind generators and permanent magnet alternators in the country. Our 12-volt wind generator kits are also great for small cabins and campers. And all Wind Blue Power kits qualify for a 30% tax credit. So get your discount now. Go to windblue-power.com today and enter coupon code RADIO for 5% off or simply call 800-976-0026. 800-976-0026. 0026. Protect your family's emergency energy needs now at windbluepower.com. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. This is Philip Rogno. You're listening to Paracast, one of the most informative shows out there. So listen closely. Ron Regeer joining us this week on the Paracast. I'm Gene Steinberg. The co-host is Chris O'Brien. So this message on your machine said what? Well, it, was, it was the page from the 60-day report that I prepared for the Air Force. And I didn't even bother to take the report number off of it to show this May 5th event. And it was secret. And I got it on this open fax machine at home. So I... Put it in a bag, taped it, sealed it, signed it, dated it, stuck it under my pillow, and went to bed. And the next day, took it into work, showed it to the security office, and they were totally, totally unimpressed. They didn't care. So I said, well, you know, they, they didn't believe what was going on. So I said, look, it's, I know what it is. They, so I took them down to the vault, went to the report, pulled the report, and... Then they were impressed because we had a breach of security. So they sat me down and started to give me the third degree and essentially penalized me and punished me for bringing this to their attention. Don't bother me with facts, as Stanton Friedman once said. Right. (laughs) So so here I was. I was just a messenger. I'm pointing out a problem, and they, they wanted to pillory me for that, so... I said, I'm not going to have anything of it. Here's all the facts. I'm going home. The next day I came in, and all the guards were there. Ron, what would you do? What would you do? And turns out the security uh, officer who had started this investigation on me had been terminated. And, man, nobody was talking about anything. I don't know what happened to him, where he went, what happened, or anything else, but... uh, that was the end of it. I didn't get my page back. I just, you know, it was, it was the, just fell into this black hole of security. But they treated me very nicely for, for many years 
and security and I had a, I, I would guess it was a long standing for maybe 20 years relationship because they knew I was doing UFO research. I still had my clearance. They never pulled that. They never once challenged me on that. Did they ever I come to you and say, Ron, you know, lay off the UFO stuff? No. And uh, the, the closest they came to that was uh, I was talking about the, uh, remember the old F-19 fighter about 1988, 87, somewhere around in there? It was a, a stealth fighter before it became public. I was talking about that and possibly relating it to UFOs. And believe it or not, FOSI investigator Captain James Kirk. <laughs> ah, Captain, beam me up now. <laughs> James Tiberius Kirk? Yeah, and I said, what? Oh, you got to be joking. He says, oh, and he was, he was so accustomed to having this, this ritual. He said, no, here, let me show you. And he pulled out his driver's license and a credit card to show me that he really was Captain James Kirk. <laughs> and what year was this now? This was 87, 88, around in there. Okay, so this is even worse because we had the original Star Trek series. Then we had the resurrection flying sauce. No, the resurrection about Star Trek. It arises like a phoenix all over again. Star Trek becomes popular, movies and everything. So the name James Kirk becomes bigger than ever in the 1980s. Yeah. <laughs> the poor guy. I, you know, I guess it'd be like being a marshal or have a last name of Dylan or something with gun smoke during the gun smoke phase. But What's that you say, Mr. Dylan? There you go. <laughs> so, so anyway, he was questioning me about that. And uh, the weirdest thing was, oh, I think it was 2001, 2002, um, I gave a presentation at Laughlin on the DSP, fully expecting to get really called on the carpet about it. And instead, remember the Laughlin conference lasted a week and this gentleman in the crowd came to me after my presentation and wanted to talk to me and so I talked to him and as it turns out he said I've got something for you he said but it's back at my office in LA will you be here all week and I said sure so he came back and uh, I think it was two or three days later and we went up to his room and he gave me a sketch made by uh, one of his people, as he put it, of that December 1984 object as viewed from another space platform. So that was pretty cool. It's, uh, it looks like a bivalve mollusk UFO. So that was, that was the closest I got to the Air Force acknowledging or turns out he was a colonel in the uh, Air Force. And I, I made him show me his ID on that one as well. Now, let's point to another area here of your interest. When did you become associated with MUFON? Uh, see, I was in the late 80s. I, was, uh, I, I joined MUFON. But I didn't really do anything. I just got the journal. 
Yeah, I was because I wanted to do my own research. My I didn't want to be tied down by an organization. And then I had a couple of friends, and I started uh, working and attending Mufon Orange County, which is different. And they weren't directly affiliated with Mufon International. They just sort of used their name. So I was, I, I looked at it as the same thing, but actually it was not, but I didn't realize that. So, so you were basically Mufon associated County. with MUFON, but not MUFON. Yeah, well, what it is is anybody apparently at the time could call themselves a chapter of MUFON and nobody could do anything about it. Okay, they and, had no uh, trademark you issues you were a member of like MUFON, that. You could hold meetings and say they're MUFON meetings. And, okay. Well, uh, are you now with the national and, organization? Yeah, and the, the national organization or international organization had no no protections in place to prevent anybody from using their name. And so there's nothing nefarious about it. It was just a, an awkwardness that existed for many years. Now, I so, want to give you a red herring question here about MUFON, okay? Because there is a thread in our forum saying that somebody in the leadership of MUFON has come out in favor of the Billy Meyer contacts. What's that all about? Have you heard of this? Yeah, that's uh, George Farler. He's Eastern Regional Director, and he has some Billy Meyer photos on his webpage. And he's also, uh, before retired Colonel Stevens, Wendell Stevens retired, uh, retired Air Force, before he passed this uh, about a month or two ago, he and George shared a lot of experiences, and Wendell, who had uh, become friends with Billy Meyer, uh, showed a lot of stuff, shared a lot of information with George Filer, and George stated on one of his uh, Filer's files, I believe is what he calls it. Right, we get it every that, week or two in the email box. Right, it comes out once a week. And in that Filer's Files, he said, uh, Wendell Stevens uh, assured me that Billy Myers' photos were authentic. I think it was the photos he said were authentic. Well, you know what? I don't know whether to laugh or cry. <laughs> yeah, well, it's um, one of the problems we have is MUFON, as a rule, I, am not a, I shouldn't say as a rule, it's sort of a, just, we, we are pretty sped in with investigators, and... Yeah, George and Wendell had a good relationship, and they're more than welcome to have their opinions and say what they want to say. I, I can't. But as far as Michael, Michael Horn's taking this and taking this ball and run with it, and as, as we might imagine, some, by the way, Michael Horn, ladies and gentlemen, is the USA representative for for Billy Meyer. He's their American representative. I don't think he receives a paycheck from them, or at least he claims it doesn't. He's been on the show. He was on the Paracast during 2006 for a couple of episodes, and then we kind of banned him from the show. We gave up on it. We looked at the wedding cake photos, had a big laugh, and that was it. And I guess, you know, if an individual person in MUFON wants to embrace that case, that's their privilege, but I don't think it really makes the organization come across too well. No. Yeah. So my my thought, my thought thought is if... Uh, Anybody who, who puts a case on our uh, MUFON board, you know, the CMS, as a current case, we investigate it. So if Mr. Meyer were to post a current event, 
on the MUFON board, we would probably, if we have an investigator in Switzerland, and he was at the time, would investigate it. So we don't just respond to external stimuli and investigate anything and everything that may or may not have happened in the past. We just don't have the resources for that. I'll tell you what, we'll get into and more of this with Ron Regeer in our next segment. Chris O'Brien's the co-host. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner, and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. We the people grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit, and carting to a private bank, having it led back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Ted Anderson, I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Okay, we vowed never to mention the M-word on the Paracast, but sometimes we have no choice. We do mention it. Ron Regeer is our guest this week. The co-host is Chris O'Brien. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. Let us segue very quickly from the M-word in the case and he who shall not be named, which is, of course, the name we gave to the person who represents him in the USA. Let's move away from that. Let's not resurrect the past. But you've okay. done some on-site research in a lot of areas because we only have a two-hour radio show or a three-hour radio show and we don't have time to cover everything. Chris was telling me that among the cases you looked into was Roswell, and you had some interesting findings. How did you get involved in that? Okay, I, I, I think everybody sort of gets a peripheral nudge. It's been in ufology from Roswell, one way or the other. You it's, think? Uh, the granddaddy of all UFOs. My involvement began with uh, a gentleman by the name of James uh, Bond. Uh, and uh, he was a photographer for the uh, newspaper in Fort Worth, Fort Worth Star-Telegram. And so James Bond Johnson took a series of what I, you could either call famous or infamous, depending on your point of view, photographs of stuff in General Roger Ramey's office on the floor on July 8th, 1947. Now, this was purported to be the wreckage from the crashed UFO from Roswell. A little bit of background, uh, just uh, I'll keep it under two minutes if I can. Uh, somewhere in late June, early July, something came down on a ranch in New Mexico. The 
the rancher, Mac Brazil, who's a ranch hand on the ranch, took this stuff to the sheriff's office. Over the course of a period of time, they called George Wilcox the sheriff. He called the Air Force and the Air Force intelligence officer for the 509th Bomb Wing, General, uh, Major Jesse Marcel, and Captain Sheridan Cavett, who was the CIS, uh, I remember what CIS stands for right off the top of my head, went out to the ranch with the rancher, spent the night there, picked up a bunch of this stuff, threw it in the back end of their uh, Buick and the Jeep carry-all, drove it back to Roswell, and apparently on the way back, uh, Major Marcel stopped at home and showed it to his wife and son, Jesse Marcel Jr. Was and now Jesse Marcel Jr., by the way, who right now is a retired physician, he was on the Paracast a couple of years ago. He has a book out on the subject where he touched something, some material they brought to the house. Right. So this material then apparently was taken back to Roswell Field, packaged up, loaded in a B-29, and flown to Dallas-Fort Worth, where the packages were taken to General Ramey's office. According to Mr. Johnson, who I think he passed in uh, 2006, I'm not sure, I'll have to I'll check my notes, but it was just a couple of years ago, very recently. He got there, and he was friends with, uh, oh, I'm not remember the name of um, General Ramey's aide. He's in the photographs there with him. But anyway, they were going back to the B-29 to see the bigger pieces, and they said, there's several packages of debris in the office. Why don't you go uh, unwrap them? Because there was a tight schedule to meet the East Coast deadline. Remember, the newspapers were the medium then. We didn't have much in the way of live TV. This was not the 24-7 news cycle of now. Yeah. Okay, now we obviously have mentioned many things about the Roswell case. Let's get specific to your involvement of it, okay? Okay, so anyway, he took this uh, series of photographs, six photographs, two with Major Marcel, two with the general by himself, and two with the general and his aide. Uh, time passed. They were published in one magazine, one book. Uh, nobody remembered it until uh, the case was resurrected. But then along comes Major uh, General Ramey's widow in 1998. And she asks George Fodder, the same George Fodder we mentioned earlier, if he could shed any light on these photos because... Her son and daughter, the general's son and daughter, were upset because their dad was getting some bad press for lying to the American people. And she wanted to know what was in those photographs, if it was a Roswell debris or not. So George knew James Bond Johnson, the photographer, called him. James Von Johnson had just seen my present, one of my UFO presentations at Orange County MUFON, and he liked the idea that if I didn't know something, I said I didn't know it and didn't make things up. So he wanted me to evaluate the photos and see what they were. He thought it was debris, but uh, he couldn't remember too well. 
so we ordered some 16 by 20 prints of each of those six photos and started doing an analysis of them. I'll bottom line it for you, and then we can go into any amount of detail you wish. Nothing in any of those photographs was from a mogul balloon, the Air Force lied. That's the bottom line. All right. Now, okay, we're in 2010 as this show is right. being taped. So the big issue is here, how now do we get more information about Roswell? Where's the smoking gun? Because it's a lot of fascinating information. Certainly maybe it's not mogul. It's not this, it's not that. Does the military have the wreckage still? What's going on? Can we ever get to the bottom? I, I believe they do. But they're not going to tell us. Uh, I believe they've got many recovered craft. And probably occupants as well. I would be shocked if they didn't. But uh, my, my involvement with the, the Roswell photographs was to do the analysis on what was in them. And I can assure you there's some bizarre, bizarre things. There's uh, what looks to a casual glance to be uh, balsa wood, for example. There's hollow tubes that you can see in them. There's a, an eye beam with strange symbols in them, just as described by Jesse Marcel, Jr., the balloon material has what looks like solder droplets. But the most compelling and uh, revealing of all is the memo, the written text that's held in General Ramey's hand. And we've been able to read the memo, almost all of it. And it talks about the victims of the wreck forwarded to Fort Worth, Texas, and tells about how a weather balloon would be a good cover story. So that's that's probably the, the biggest smoking gun of everything in the photographs. That memo that was taken of uh, General Ramey revealed. These are sixteen by twenties off the original negatives, correct? So we're looking that's at we're good. talking super high res photographs that you're able to really zero in on and get details that normally you wouldn't be able to get from uh you know, the the famous uh, shots that we've seen uh, over the years in magazines and books. This is off, off the original negatives. So, right, and so, we were early, early on, and since then, many, many other researchers have gone in and gotten copies and got, gotten du duplicate negatives and made their own and looked at them. And, um, and we, were the, we were the first ones to do that. Not that we're any better at it. We're blowing our own horn out of the fact that somebody had to be first, it just had to be us. Okay, so you were in the right place at the right time, as some people said. We're going to move into yeah. our next segment in just a moment. I wanted to mention to everybody, we have forums where you can talk about all this stuff. Forum.paracast.com, forum.paracast.com. All you have to do is sign up, give yourself a username. And as long as the username is accepted, which means it's not duplicated, doesn't use one of the seven deadly words, we'll have you join us. We want you to participate. Ron McGuire joining us this week. Co-host is Chris O'Brien. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. Is there a secret UFO agenda? Do strange creatures from the darkest corners of the mind roam the earth? Is there evidence for mind control, time travel, or devious government conspiracies? Find out the inside scoop on the latest conspiracies, paranormal activity, 
and Fortean Phenomena when you subscribe to Tim Beckley's Conspiracy Journal. It's jam-packed with stories, special book and DVD promotions, and the best news, it's absolutely free, sent right to your mailbox. Plus, a bonus free email newsletter sent out every Friday. Simply send an email with your name and address to MrUFO at WebTV.net. That's MrUFO at WebTV.net. Find out what they don't want you to know. Again, the Congressional Budget Office sounds the alarm, this time warns of Greek-style U.S. debt crises. You heard me right. The GAO is drawing a parallel between the U.S. economy, its debt, and the current Greek economic meltdown. With the debt-to-GDP chart climbing into unfamiliar territory, the growing budget deficit will rise to unsupportable levels. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. The Federal Debt and Risk of Financial Crises document the CBO has published is a must-read for every American. Covering the risk of continued deficit spending coupled with an aging population and the rising interest rates spell economic disaster. It's imperative that you get a copy of this document and study it for yourself. Call me today at 800-686-2237 and I'll send you a free copy. Again, call 800-686-2237 and ask for your copy of the CBO document. Once again, you need to read this government report. Call 800-686-2237. Take a minute and hear what I'm about to tell you. You might have heard about Life Change Tea on a radio commercial or a TV commercial. And you did what many people do. You tuned out. I understand. Now the facts. When health fails, you will do just about anything for better health. So why wait? Read our testimonies of better health by drinking Life Change Tea at GetTheTea.com. And how much does missing work cost you when you're sick? Get ahead of the sick curve. Get the tea. Here's how to order. Log on to GetTheTea.com. That's GetTheTea.com. Or you can call one of our friendly operators, 928-308-0408. That's 928-308-0408. Our tea tastes great and will help you with your health. And you can even lose weight. So again, try us out at GetTheTea.com. Go to HempUSA.org, go to HempUSA.org, and ask your legislator, and ask your congressman, and ask your president, why can't we grow it here? And ask those companies that love their profits and disease, why can't we grow it here? Try our powder seeds and oil Try our five pound sampler And get free shipping anywhere in the States Go to HempUSA.org Go to HempUSA.org And call us at 908-691-2608 Call 908-691-2608 Or visit us at HempUSA.org the GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. G-C-N. Great talk radio starts here. You've entered another dimension. You've entered the Paracast. 
Ron Regeer, who works with MUFON, doing lots of investigation on UFOs. The co-host is Chris O'Brien. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. Okay, so today we have the amount of material that you've got. What can we do today if the U.S. government has a Warehouse 13 with the wreckage from Roswell? Maybe they're keeping the alien bodies on ice. How do we get them to tell us what they know? Boy, I wish I knew that. <laughs> I, I <really> <laughs> We want to know everything. We want all the answers. We can handle the truth. Send ten dollars to Chris O'Brien, P.O. O'Brien. Send you the answers. Yeah, right. Thanks, Ron. Uh, let's let's dovetail from one crash uh, uh, retrieval, uh, potential crash retrieval, to another one. I remember back in uh, I think it was two thousand three or four. There was a story being floated around by some uh, area investigators. You were state director, I think, at the time for MUFON in Utah. And uh, I was contacted by one of uh, of your Utah investigators about an alleged crash that occurred right along the uh, Utah-Nevada border. And there was a strange marking in the desert that uh, was visible from the air. And um, there seemed to be something kind of nefarious going on uh, with the site. A famous... A woman UFO investigator uh, happened to hear about the story and did a complete investigation. Now, let's mention who that, that person is, okay? <laughs> well, I love it. I love her dearly, but boy, she's the dragon queen of ufology. Uh, Linda Moulton Howe was brought in on the case, did, uh, did a, a site visit, and something didn't quite add up in your mind, if I remember correctly, Ron, and you did your own investigation, and why don't you uh, kind of lead us through uh, what happened uh, after that? Okay, well, Linda made a presentation at uh, Ryan Wood's crash retrieval conference in Las Vegas. And I was intrigued because this happened in my state. And one of the things that she brought out in her presentation was this list of people who had showed up at this little, little, teeny remote area in the desert of western Utah. But what in the heck were they doing there? I mean, this was uh, high-ranking officers of the Air Force, uh, Army, Department of Defense, several uh, civilian contractors. I mean, it didn't make any sense. And that, coupled with what she presented, made it sure sound like there was something very, very strange going on. And I bought into her story and so what I did was I suggested to Linda since she did not live nearby and I did I could go and check out some of these names and some of these people and some of these events and and do a little more legwork for since it was obviously a lot more difficult for her to get there than it was for me so I went out there on a lark I just figured well I'd like to go see for myself as it turns out uh, we met the station manager we just happened to be there. I mean, he was, it was, we didn't call ahead, nothing. We drove on just fat, dumb, and happy like other people had, except we didn't have to break anything. He was there. We got about a one-hour interview. I've got it all on tape. Matter of fact, I've got it on video. Uh, what's going on here? And he laughed, and he turns out that he didn't know. He'd just come on. This Dan Kitchen is his name. 
a few years ago. He didn't know anything about it, but somebody had broken into the facility and stolen his logbook. And that was a still an act, active government facility, and as such, it was a federal crime to break into it and steal the material. But he was generous. He said, if they just send me a photocopy so I can have a complete record of the uh, tenant's log, he said, I'll be happy. I don't, you know, he didn't want to press any charges. He didn't want to throw anybody in jail. Just... So in the process, though, we were still curious. Was this really a 2,000-foot by 3,000-foot triangular-shaped UFO that had crashed in the desert in 1947? And, and he just laughed. And he said, no, I didn't think so. And this strange anomalous feature is about a mile to two miles away from the experimental range where this facility was. So we started looking. He said, you're welcome to go. As a matter of fact, he insisted because he had got so many telephone calls, so much, many people coming there to visit as a result of Linda's discussion and posting this on her Earth Files webpage. By the way, it's www.earthfiles, I think it's a webpage. Excellent material, most of it. And he just was disgusted with all these visitors and breaking in. Somebody has stolen a bunch of uh, solar panels from his solar panel array. And this place is in the middle of nowhere. I mean, it's way out there. So he insisted we took us through every single room of every single building, move furniture, move file cabinets, let us thump on walls, thump on floors, Look at every single thing, and let me assure you, nothing mysterious going on. What was that facility actually used for? What was the official purpose for it being there? Okay, it was started in, 19, in the 1930s as an experimental station to determine the effects of grazing on the desert. This is a high desert area. How many, uh, what do they call them? Uh, Eating units or grazing units? How many uh, bovine, BVUs, uh, BGs, bovine grazing units? That's what the, the uh, government calls cows, bovine grazing units, which he thought was kind of funny. Per acre can they have? And so they were established to mark out they have this uh, area divided into sections. I would I didn't measure them and didn't ask and he didn't tell, but I'd say roughly 100 yards to a side. Fenced off and then they would allow cattle to graze in there for a period of time and then fence it off and see how it recovered. And then what he would do with uh, the whole area is opened up to grazing now. Uh, maybe a hundred acres at a time, and he goes. So the long and short of it is, there's nothing mysterious going on yeah, there. It sounds pretty mundane. Well, nothing mysterious at all. But she Linda didn't do her homework. What it turns out is, the reason for the visiting officers was that they had considered that facility as since the federal government owned it for one of the racetrack for the. Uh, missile program. Remember, we were going to put uh, our missiles there on trains and run them around the desert so the Soviets couldn't figure out where they were. And they were considering that for one of the sites. So they'd come out there to look at it. That's why all the Air Force folks were there. Well, what was that strange, huge marking out in the desert? That triangular-shaped, it looked like a depression out in the desert. Did you ever get to the bottom of that? Uh, It turns out to be a natural geologic feature. I uh, googled triangular geologic features or something like that and found 
There are literally thousands of them around the, the world. Uh, two of them under the Great Salt Lake, as you can see in aerial photos. Um, if if that had been something bizarre, something out of the ordinary, something like especially the crashed UFOs, she claimed it was part of the it was the actual uh, Kingman, Arizona UFO crash. I'll tell you what, we'll get into more of this in a moment here. Ron Regeer joining us this week. The co-host is Chris O'Brien. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in The Paracast. Ray Perkins, a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then, a coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack! Attack! Of the Rockoids. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes, The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockoids lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans the galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack of the Rockoids is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Attack! Attack! of the Rockwell, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition. Fight back this cold and flu season with the world's best garlic extract, Ali C. Why Ali C? Because it helps your body fight viruses, bacteria, and fungi. Ali C has been scientifically proven in double-blind studies using low doses to greatly reduce the number, severity, and duration of common colds. Ali C contains 300 milligrams of stabilized allicin, the active ingredient in crushed garlic. Studies show Ali C is effective against MRSA, bacterial, fungal, and viral infections. One tablet of Ali C has the equivalent of 40 cloves of garlic. Ali C supports your body's resistance to all types of conditions and can help lower high blood pressure and high cholesterol. So boost your body's resistance to infection with nature's best garlic extract, Ali C. For more information and to order Ali C, call 877-888-7126 or go to garlichealthproducts.com. That's 1-877-888-7126 or go to garlichealthproducts.com for your Ali C today. You may not be thinking of lead and brass as precious metal investments. And you may not be thinking about ammo when we say Battery Station. But you should, because Battery Station has a large inventory of the most popular calibers. Just go to BatteryStation.com and click on Ammunition. There, you'll see where Second Amendment patriots invest in precious metals for 380, 9mm, 40 cal, 45 ACP, 38 Special, 357 Magnum, 223, 30-06, 308, and more. Be sure to look for the October GCN specials in blue boxes, too, at BatteryStation.com. We shoot what we sell, and all Battery Station ammo is all factory. No reloads. You'll enjoy great customer service, great prices, and fast shipping. Plus, all orders over $30 will receive a free patriotic flag. So invest in gold and silver. But don't forget about investing in lead and brass, too, at BatteryStation.com. Call 417-257-7799 or go to BatteryStation.com today. Most Americans believe famine and hunger will never happen. But what if, day one, mayhem breaks out at grocery stores? Day three, families are on edge. Day five, the neighbors come knocking. Day ten, 
Small bands of thieves begin stealing at gunpoint. Day 15. Desperation. But the government can't help because there's no food left. Introducing the grab-and-go emergency food supply from Solutions from Science. 84 delicious, nutritious food servings, including breakfast, lunch, and dinner entrees. Enough to feed four adults for a week. Every meal 100% vegetarian for longer shelf life. Claim your grab-and-go emergency food supply today at foodshortagesolutions.com. That's foodshortagesolutions.com. Or call 877-327-0365. 877-327-0365. Grab-and-go emergency food supply. Better a year too soon than one day too late. On air, online, and on demand, we are the GCN Radio Network. Hi, this is Nick Pope. You're listening to the Paracast. As the show progresses, neighbors, Chris's voice gets deeper and deeper, and soon he'll be totally asleep. But he's also co-host this week, so he has to stay awake. The guest is Ron Regeer, longtime UFO researcher. I'm Gene Steinberger in the Paracast. So the long and short of it is, what is Linda Moltenhouse saying about this case that turned out to have nothing to it? Well, she was claiming it was a crashed UFO, and it was too big to transport, so they covered it up and used apparently heavy equipment to cover it up because it's it protrudes. This is about, oh, roughly three to four foot higher than the surrounding desert terrain. That's why you can see it. I'll turn it off to this. It was a team in Arizona crash. They had 11 days to get the troops assembled to cover it up because the photograph was taken 11 days after the Kingman, Arizona crash. They couldn't have done it in that period of time. So you put, you put together, I think, a, a, what, a 20-page report, and you sent it to Linda. What happened? I sent it to Linda before I published it. Saying, this is what I discovered. I'd, I'd like you to have a chance to review it and comment on it before I publish it because I don't like to publish things behind people's back. She ignored it. Then I went to physically saw her at the following crash retrieval conference and gave her another opportunity because she was going to present on the same dang thing an update on that. And I said, Linda, it's, there's nothing to it. And she was adamant that she was right, that I was wrong, and so she was somewhat embarrassed. So you're uh, wrong oh. here. So what were you, part of the problem, a government disinformation agent? What? Uh, she never said. I, it's just, uh, she just said she was going to present it. She, the other case in Utah uh, was a, uh, you'll love this one, a uh, young boy, either two years old or five years old, depending on which part of his story you want to believe, who helped his father design and build the first uh, transistorized radar station on a place called Blowhard Mountain in Utah. Well, that explains <laughs> it all. I don't have to say anything more. Oh, I loved it. Uh, it turns out there are two radar facilities up there, neither of which has ever been owned by the federal government. And that was a simple call to the Iron the, uh, County Recorder's Office. Okay, so the motto again is don't bother me with facts. And also, yeah. Linda moulton and we have not really wanted to invite her on the show for those reasons, because it would be, you know, kind of a shouting match or something, because we'd have to be in Mike Wallace mode, and we'd have to correct some of the things. You know, like the thing about the drones. A couple of years back, we have these pictures of drones, which, of course, were made up by some special effects artists, beneath which they had Star Wars lettering. 
but she took it seriously. Yes, oh, didn't you love that? Uh, the Carrot Corporation or something like that, if I remember correctly. C-A-R-E-T. <laughs> it was fun, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, we had a ball discussing it at the time, but it made her look really bad because she's basically accepting all this stuff. And it's so unfortunate because when you have people who are not doing their research and maybe they like to tell good stories, and it's good to have a good story. You know, nothing wrong with telling good stories. We have people who come on the PowerCast every so often and they tell stories and some are true and some are not, especially the conspiracy theory tales. Really interesting. But we have something like UFOs. It's something that we can't get a handle on. We don't really know the secrets. Maybe there is the silence group in the U.S. government with the recovered crash refuge and the alien bodies and all this stuff. Maybe it's happening, but then you have the storytellers who go about making up tall tales. Now, maybe we should move away from the tall tales. Now, you did some work on Roswell, very useful. What other key cases have you studied where you've done some personal research to assess whether something was genuine? Uh, probably the most compelling UFO case of all, and that would be the Iranian UFO case. And that was where the Imperial Iranian Air Force launched two F-4 fighters, not at the same time, one fighter, subsequently another fighter, to intercept and shoot down a UFO that was of terrorizing the population of their capital, Tehran. And this was probably the best UFO case ever. Uh, it started out with the air traffic controller at the Tehran airport getting a call of a strange light. And we, we can all laugh at strange lights in the skies, but sometimes they turn out to be something much more than a light. That was the case here. That strange light was maneuvering over the city, so they launched an F-4, which was then the top-of-the-line fighter. We were in good with the, this is in 1974, with the Shah of Iran. And so we launched this F-4 fighter to attempt to intercept, find out what this light is. He said it was a craft. He tried to, as soon as he got radar locked, that is, as soon as his weapon system was ready to launch a missile at the target, all his onboard electronics failed. The plane started to fall out of the sky because he didn't have any controls. And as soon as he ceased to be a threat, all his electronics came on again. He was a little bit upset about that, as was the ter air traffic controller. In the meantime, while this is going on, everybody in the Imperial Iranian Air Force High Command was notified, including the commander of, which would be the same thing as our Secretary of the Air Force. So they ordered the launch of a second F-4, believing that one had malfunctioned or the pilot had gone goofy or something else. The second F-4 closed on the target. As soon as radar lock was achieved, all onboard electronics failed. As soon as the plane failed to be a threat, they all came back on again. They didn't want I'm us to see them. I'm sorry? They didn't want us to see them get too close. Or to get shot at. 
I've been an engineer for quite a few years, and I can assure you we can, we could cause electronics to fail. We, we can do that. The big EMP pulse will, will shut down electronics. So you think that maybe a civilization that's a couple of thousand years ahead of us can do that at the snap of a finger? Yeah. Well, they did it there at the snap of a finger twice. And so I, I reported on this. This was also seen by uh, two commercial airliners their crew and passengers. Uh, but the most compelling of all was my involvement, and in, we spotted it from our DSP satellite. And so we had 38 frames of observation of this thing. It was not only over Tehran, it continued on from Tehran over across somewhere around Portugal's where it was uh, last seen. So here we have this event that was detected by about 500,000 people on the ground, windows broken, car wrecks, people panicking. The DIA station chief said it was worthy of further investigation when he reported that to uh, his, his boss at the DIA, who sent, then sent that memo on to the President of the United States, the head of the CIA, the head of the U.S. Air Force, among others. So we have a noteworthy event. And I've written probably 24 years on that and never got a single response back other than we have no record responsive to your request. So basically, now, know you know you have the satellite information. You know the satellite information exists, but as far as the U.S. government is concerned, we have nothing for you. That's right. Okay. And they know who you are. Right. Write the 60-day report. Uh, every 60 days, we'd write a report to the Air Force of what happened in the preceding 60-day period with their satellite. I'd write so, the same reports. Yeah, so you were requesting from the government your own report, and they said it didn't exist, right? Well, that's very interesting. <laughs> Maybe they're giving you a qualitative comment there. Or being a little too critical of what you've written. I'm being facetious here, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. If you have more to say about what you hear on this episode, send it to news at theparacast.com, news at theparacast.com. Ron Regeer joining us, longtime UFO researcher, talking about his personal experiences, observing, gathering evidence about the reality of UFOs. The co-host is Chris O'Brien. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in The Paracast. Are you ready to order the official Paracast t-shirt? You asked, we answered. We're now taking orders for the official Paracast t-shirt. It comes in white, 100% cotton. The front of it features the same logo that we have on our community forums. On the back it says, separating signal from noise. To order the official Paracast t-shirt, here's all you have to do. Visit our new online store at store.theparacast.com. One more time, that's store.theparacast.com. You can use a major credit card to place your order for the official Paracast t-shirt. Hey, neighbors, we have one more thing to talk about, and that's more merchandise at the official Paracast store. We have hats, we have jackets, we even have a flip video camcorder customized with the Paracast logo at the official Paracast store. It's all now available at the official Paracast store, store.theparacast.com. 
hurricanes, ice storms, blackouts, and the prospect of civil unrest. When the unexpected happens, will you be ready? Hundreds of concerned citizens across America have already installed wind generators to help protect their families in the event of a disaster. So act now and build your own wind generator with an easy-to-assemble kit from windbluepower.com. Wind Blue Power carries the best battery-charging wind generators and permanent magnet alternators in the country. Our 12-volt wind generator kits are also great for small cabins and campers. And all Wind Blue Power kits qualify for a 30% tax credit. So get your discount now. Go to windblue-power.com today and enter coupon code RADIO for 5% off or simply call 800-976-0026. 800-976-0026. Protect your family's emergency energy needs now at windbluepower.com. Is it really possible to get out of debt without payment plans or attorneys? 18 years ago, we developed a program that has made thousands debt-free in just 90 days. It's called Zero Debt in 90 Days, and it works for all credit card debt, medical bills, even collection lawsuits. When I first joined, I was being sued, so I used the program methods... And after filing one piece of paper, the collection lawsuit was dismissed. With zero debt in 90 days, your success is guaranteed in writing. There is no other program of its kind. Don't be alone when creditors gang up on you. Let our team of experts provide the resources to fight back and stop creditors in only 90 days. Guaranteed. Prevent wage garnishments, bank levies, and stop collection calls with our proven program. Call Zero Debt in 90 Days now, 800-477-9256, and ask for free information from an expert who also completed our program. 800-477-9256 or ZeroDebtGuaranteed.com 800-477-9256 or ZeroDebtGuaranteed.com If the cost of your prescriptions are getting out of control, you want to listen carefully to this. RxDrugCard.com is a simple, innovative program designed to give individuals the same purchasing power as large HMOs and insurance companies. As a member of RxDrugCard.com, you'll enjoy savings of up to 80% on all prescription medications at over 52,000 USA pharmacies, including Walmart, Walgreens, and Eckert's. Don't risk ruining your health by using cheap, counterfeit foreign drugs. This program provides savings on safe, genuine, FDA-approved medications with low membership fees, unlimited use, no age or income requirements, and coverage for all pre-existing conditions. RxDrugCard.com is an absolute must for anyone who pays for their own prescriptions. Enroll today for as little as $4.50 per month at www.RxDrugCard.com and start saving immediately. RxDrugCard.com is backed by a 30-day money-back guarantee. Visit RxDrugCard.com or call 888-216-2461. That's 888-216-2461. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. You're in the Paracast. You never know what's going to happen next. Ron Regeer regaling us. Boy, you know how to do that kind of phrase. Regaling us about his experiences about trying to recover from the government, his own reports that he submitted, and he's told they do not exist. Maybe that's a critic saying that. Didn't like your report. I'm really being facetious again. Chris O'Brien's a co-host. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. So did you ever say, hey, guys, I wrote this report. I sent it to you. How can you tell me it's not there? Uh, I, I did one better. I went down to the office. <laughs> I said, look, I sent you this report. And he says, well, I know. But he says, we're not part of the FOIA. 
So you got to talk to our FOIA office. So I said, what's the FOIA office? I said, this is, yeah, I sent this report on this date to this office, this address. Here is the distribution list as required by our contract. And still, no records responsive. I mean, they just stonewall. They, they don't mind lying when it suits them to lie. It sounds like a politician. Yeah, and that's uh, no, their job. I, I, after so many, as I said, I, I know I've submitted well over a thousand FOIA requests, not just on this, but on many other subjects. And uh, sometimes they respond, sometimes they don't. Uh, in the last two years, actually the last four, the last two years of the previous administration and so far in this administration, they've got markedly worse in responding. I would say uh, hope and change is hopeless and changeless. And it's as far as FOIAs go, they're more secretive than I suspect anyone in the Soviet Union ever wanted to be. I mean, these... these uh, so much for transparency in government, right? <laughs> it's, it's sad because... Almost everything now is is falls under the purview of Homeland Security and exempt from disclosure. So it's um, I don't know where we're going to go from here. It's it's just a, a sad commentary that we're having our freedoms eroded so quickly. Well, the Patriot and, Act. I mean, if we're going to get into politics, let's get into politics very briefly. The Patriot Act gives the government more authority over the things that you do. Yeah, that's true. Anyway, uh, I I could talk politics, and I could talk UFOs, but I won't. Well, let's take a look, though, at disclosure, because this raises the issue of disclosure. And some people are suggesting every time there's a new administration that this president will be more amenable to revealing information about UFOs. And certainly... I think they go into the office... Right. It's the anticipation of being open and honest, and then they get briefed, and then they know what's going to happen, and they shut up. Jimmy Carter went public and said he would tell everybody because he had a sighting. John Podesta was going to reveal all. He was a close associate with in the Clinton administration and with the current administration. For and a while. he also wrote the foreword for Leslie Kane's new book. Right. And so we have sympathizers, but they are either incompetent, inept, or have been told this is as far as you can go and no farther. So about disclosure, let me, I want to make clear my position on disclosure. I'd like to see it, but it ain't going to happen. People are more concerned about the stain on some office age dress than they are about disclosure. So the people in this country do not want disclosure. If they do, they demand it. Yeah, but maybe the people in this country aren't demanding it because they don't know there's something to disclose. No, there's that, but they've, they've, been, they've seen the tabloids. They've seen the newspaper. You know, this porn is the most popular thing on the web right now, followed closely by UFOs. And I mean, we don't have to disclose anything in the porn industry, but we sure have a lot of cover-up going on. And I, I love that transition cover-up as opposed to porn. Uh, on and UFOs. stained addresses also. Yes. So <laughs> people are interested, fascinated, but it still elicits more giggles than it does serious comment. 
and so our job, if we're going to do anything uh, to bring about disclosure, is I think started by um, having discussions such as Paracast, uh, supporting somebody like Jeff Peckman and his uh, initiative for the. Uh, yeah, but you know, Jeff Peckman has got some credentials there that are a little questionable, such as his involvement in the Stam and Romanek case. Yeah, I understand that. But uh, at least he's got the initiative going that may very well pass in Denver to open up um, another gate towards disclosure. And you know what? The thing is, the way the reality of recording shows is concerned, we'll know that answer when this show is heard. <laughs> By the time the show airs. <laughs> That's right. We'll know if you're right or wrong. So I'll tell you what, I'm going to really put you on the spot, Ron. Okay, yeah. knowing that we are a little over a week away from when the show will be aired, a few days ahead of Election Day, do you think this measure in Colorado is going to pass? Yes. Okay. Wow. I do. All right, but the thing I'm concerned about more so than that, you know, okay, so Jeff Peckman gets signatures and puts up a ballot initiative. Maybe it'll do some good. Maybe it won't. Right. The question I have is more the concern about the people who are involved in exopolitics. You know, it's like setting up interplanetary agencies that we're supposed to know how to deal with E.T. What do you think of exopolitics? I think they're well-meaning buffoons. <laughs> Can we quote you on that? I think we just did. <laughs> we just did. No, I, I that's think that's well a really good way of putting I, it. Yeah, I think you're right. Absolutely, I agree. But I, 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 and I don't mean that as a slur against them. You know, it's... it's uh, there's a lot of well-meaning people with good ideas that ain't going to happen. The government does not want disclosure. Otherwise, they'd open their doors and say, here it is, folks. How could you believe them anyway? How could you believe them anyway? They've been lying for 60-plus years. Yeah, well, they could they could release some stuff that would probably blow, blow your and my socks off. But here's the problem uh, about this also. We don't believe the government anymore. The government is incompetent. The bureaucrats are incompetent. So even if the government comes up there and says, well, now we'll admit that there, yeah, I guess there is E.T. out there, and they appear to be visiting us. If they even said that, maybe we wouldn't believe them. Yeah, well, it depends. I, 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 I will be the last one to jump on any administration's bandwagon and pat them on the back. And in many areas, they're liars and rogues and thieves. But uh, they do other things quite well. Yeah, they and keep secrets. They continue to do things quite well in spite of the politicians. So, you know, it's, um, it's a mixed bag, and, and it depends on how it was done and who did it. And well, how much, how much of this... It's not going to happen. How much of this, but, uh, this, this over-the-top uh, classified information that, uh, you know, of exotic uh, technologies... Um, some of the things that kind of have that hint of sci-fi, how much of this uh, do you think is contained within the private sector and that actually the government wouldn't be able to release it even if they wanted to? How much of this, uh, this exotic technology knowledge and, and possibly knowledge of, of, of UFOs and ETs, how much of that is held in the private sector, do you think, having been there for 30-plus years? Uh, there's, there's probably quite a bit of it. And... The, the problem is that you know, it, it gets interlocked with contracts, with uh, Asper, armed service procurement regulations. It gets, it gets so intertwined that it becomes a nightmare. Let, let's assume that half of what uh, Colonel Corso said was true. 
uh, which I don't think half of it is, but let's just take that as a starting point. You know, night vision goggles developed by the, uh, different labs as a result of being dribbled information from an alien crash retrieval. Well, you know, they then developed that on their own, and that is their technology now. Right, it's proprietary uh, intellectual property. Yeah, and the same thing would be true of uh, everything else that Corso brought out, assuming it were true. So he just sort of provided the the carrot to say, hey, and engineers are, are a strange bunch. They're like a lot of people. You know, it can't be done. Oh, somebody did it. Therefore, I can do it. And well, the other thing I have, have concerns about with Colonel Corso is the fact that we have this distinguished military figure towards the end of his life, he comes out with this book that he co-wrote with Bill Burns called The Day After Roswell. And I ask this over and over again. Why would he make it all up or even a lot of it up? What does he have to gain? Okay. Uh, Bill Burns and Corso's relationship was not as smooth as it would seem to be. I, I, Are you going to leave it at that, or do you want to you want to dive, dive oh, in? That was, you know what? Let's dive in, ladies and gentlemen. I do want to dive in between Bill Burns and Colonel Corso, but we have to do it for the next segment in the final hour of the show. Ron Regeer, longtime UFO researcher, joining us. Chris O'Brien's the co-host. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. Hi, Ted Anderson announcing a great way to listen to radio on the telephone. By calling 760-569-7700, you'll be hearing GCNlive.com programs in seconds. Come to GCNlive.com, find your favorite host's dedicated phone number, and hear them 24-7. You heard me right, every show has a dedicated phone number. Stop by GCNlive.com and bookmark their number today. And again, that's 760-569-7700. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. As we progress for our final hour of the show, notice that Chris's voice gets deeper and deeper, and soon it will be so deep. Forget it. Ron Regeer, joining us. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast with the co-host Chris O'Brien. Okay, so let us... Let all hang I, out I here. I talked with Bill Corso, and, uh, you know, first and first and face-to-face, not over the phone, not in some big meeting. It was just the two of us sitting down at a, after a meeting in which he was one of the speakers. And, and he, he told me he was very disappointed in the way Bill Burns took his material and, in some cases, added a lot of stuff that he never said, and then 
kind of sensationalized it. And, for example, the uh, moon-based stuff, none of that came from Phil Corso, from Corso, according to him, when he, when he was talking with me. Uh, later on, after his passing, his family, if I understand it and remember correctly, filed suit against Mr. Burns. And uh, Did I know, you know that, Gene. I knew there was some legal stuff going on, but also there supposedly is a version of the book out that is closer to his original book rather than the one that well, it's Bill his Burns original manuscript. Uh, Open Minds has published uh, his Corso's original uh, manuscript. Yeah, it was published in uh, Italian, I believe, first. I, I've got his original manuscripts on my on my desktop. Uh, the other thing is that when I was working with James Bond Johnson on the Roswell photos, he was approached by Burns to have Burns fund and write a book about it. And Bond took the stuff to the material, the contract, proposed contract to his attorney, and his attorney said, I wouldn't touch this with a 10-foot pole, because he said, it's, it locks you up. You cannot talk about this to anybody at any time. Yeah, he, James Bond Johnson, without Burns' written permission, and he could not talk about anything without Burns' foreknowledge. So this would be kind of him being the gatekeeper. Yes, totally. And Bond would not agree to that. So there was no no contact. Okay, so, so basically we look back at this now. If this is the original manuscript of the Corso case, yeah. was he still the bag man handing out the alien technology to private industry or what? Yes, he said he was. He told me he was. That, that part he said was true. The Riley, Kansas time when he uh, talked to the uh, personnel to remove the cover and got to see inside, you know, show me the contents of the bag. That was all true, uh, according to, to Phil. Okay, so we know he did that, but there is a lot of stuff that's embellished in the book. Right. Okay, so the point is here is that you're inclined to take him seriously, certainly the part in which he participated. But now let's look at the larger picture here. We want disclosure from the U.S. government. Other governments around the world have on occasion released UFO information. We had Nick Pope, who worked with the U.K.'s UFO project for a number of years. He's been on the show a couple of times. Very personable gentleman. He can't speak of things that are possibly still classified. But is this these other governments throwing us a bone or what? Well, they're not disclosing they're releasing files, some files. Yeah, it's to keep now, the heat off the U.S. is what I think. I think that, you know, every time that you see a release from Brazil or from, from England or France, that seems to take the heat off the U.S. government for a limited sure. period of time. And then, boom, you know, people want, want the U.S. to come forward. Okay, so therefore, yeah. maybe the U.S. government is working in concert with these other governments to say, release some information, shut it down for a while. And that works in our best interests mutually. That's what I think. Uh, and something even maybe beyond that, or in addition to that, is let's presume for the moment that there had been at one time handshake agreements between heads of state or whoever's in charge of this stuff. That if it deals with really bad things happening, 
You'll send those files to the U.S., and we'll coordinate and facilitate all that. So when Great Britain or Brazil or France or Luxembourg or whoever releases all of their files, they do. They just don't have any of the juicy stuff in it. Yeah, but isn't that strange, too? When we have all these UFO sightings, they're not USA-centric. Certainly other governments would have some key information, wouldn't they? I would think so. We know there have been many horrible things going on in Brazil. We know that uh, abductions happen around the world. Uh, there's nothing special about citizens of the United States of America that says, we'll, we'll abduct them, we won't abduct anybody else. Well, the other issue is here, of course, is what is the U.S. government doing working in concert with the other governments? Wouldn't there be a loose cannon somewhere, some leader who thinks there's a political advantage to him or her saying, here's the secret of UFOs, it's a lot more than just releasing a few thousand cases? They may. I don't know what we might have over them. I, I, I don't know. All I, all I can do is look at what's happened, look at what is happening, and try to make some sense out of it. And that makes sense to me. Now, why and how they do it, I, I really don't have all those answers. Um, Maybe we, we know something that everybody else doesn't, and we let them in on the secret with a promise that anything, that, like you say, that could be of a negative or alarming nature be funneled to the U.S. Uh, to be kept down uh, Screw glue tattooed and locked. Yeah, and, and in exchange for that, we'll keep sending you foreign aid. Yeah, or we won't we'll kick you out of NATO or something. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know. But it seems bizarre that no other country has any records released talking about abductions. I mean, they talk about crop circles and lights in the sky and an occasional structured craft flyby or something like that, and even a rare landing event. But... Nothing approaching what's coming out in books and publications as far as direct alien human being contact and involvement. Right, so, or any sort of smoking gum technology. Yeah, so you know, it's the lack of the smoking gun that, that piques my curiosity. Well, there is none. That's what's, what's frightening. Why? What's well, do you on? think that maybe the U.S. government or any government has been in touch with them and is working in concert to keep this information under wraps or dole it out gradually? I sure hope so. And I don't mean that as a, a funny statement. I hope we're working with them. I, I hope that there's some concerted effort on our part, uh, our peaceful... I think we are peaceful, respectable people. I don't, don't see us as... Uh, the village idiots or the universe idiots the way some, some like to characterize us. I think we're good people. I think the human race is a wonderful, wonderful creation and deserving of their of our place in the galaxy of people when the time comes. We deserve to join why. the Federation. Yeah. Yeah, and so you know, it's, it's, I, I hope that someone other than Rich Boylan is talking with these people. <laughs> I, I, I struck another funny bone with you, didn't I, Chris? Yeah, it's very rare that Chris laughs at all. He hates. Yeah. He just sits there with a stern face. He never well, tells jokes. He I never does funny voices. Something about Boylan and his his four date prediction. I just posted that on the Paracast about four days ago, and 
And oh boy, you brought you opened up a can of worms with me on that one, Ron. <laughs> so one of our our four dates has gone by. I think it was October what twenty fifth or something, right? Twenty fourth, uh, yeah. Or yeah, twenty fourth, 25th, depending on where on the planet you were. So uh, okay, one down, three to go. I offered at fifty to one odds to bet anybody. Uh, I of course would be taking the negative side that that something would would happen on any of these four days and and. I didn't even get one person to even mention it, let alone take me up on it. Fifty to one; those are pretty good odds. But maybe yeah, nobody yeah, believes would... anything this dude has to say because we get all these predictions about disclosure. It's going to happen now. It's going to happen next November. It's going to happen with the new administration. It never seems to happen. There never seems to be a final solution for the UFO enigma. We have Ron Regeer, longtime UFO researcher, doing it for over fifty years. He'll keep doing it till he gets it right. Chris O'Brien's the co-host. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. For 58 years, fate has provided true reports of the strange and unknown. Fate brings you the latest in all aspects of the paranormal, like angels and miracles, psychic phenomena, ghosts, UFOs, and much, much more. To receive your complimentary Fate magazine, call now at 1-800-728-2730 or visit their website at www.fatemag.com. That's 1-800-728-2730. What are you waiting for? Your fate awaits. Hi, this is Tamar from Namecheap. We're a domain name and web hosting company, and we really care about our customers. With domain name purchases, Namecheap offers free SSL and free WhoisGuard for a year to protect your identity from spammers. Most importantly, we care about you. If you'd like to learn more, please visit us at radio.namecheap.com, radio.namecheap.com for web hosting and domain name specials. You can also follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash Namecheap or become a fan of ours on Facebook at facebook.com slash Namecheap. See you online. Nine years, thousands of clients worldwide, amazing results. And here's more proof of the effectiveness of how heart and body extract supports good circulation and healthy arterial flow. My name is Crystal. I'm a 45-year-old and live in Houston, Texas. I was diagnosed with having mitral valve prolapse 10 years ago. My cardiologist said surgery and drugs was the only thing he could offer me. What did Crystal do? I ordered heart and body extract in August 2006. When I first took my first 15 drops, I embraced the formula and could even feel the goodness of the formula starting to work. Clean, clear arteries are happy arteries after using heart and body extract. Learn more at hbextract.com or call 866-295-5305. That's hbextract.com or call 866-295-5305. HB Extract comes with a 100% ironclad money-back guarantee. Details at hbextract.com or call 866-295-5305 for heart and body extract. When making important financial decisions, you should always know the facts. That's why Midas Resources is willing to pay you to read the facts. Midas Resources, a team of hand-picked financial specialists with decades of financial experience who are ready to provide you with state-of-the-art, up-to-date financial services. Midas Resources offers a host of services and stands behind their products. In fact, if you call and order their free Midas report, Midas Resources will pay you. 
This detailed report will provide you with financial history on the safest and most profitable areas to invest in. If you read the report, Midas Resources will send you a free Walking Liberty Silver Half Dollar. So what are you waiting for? Get the facts and call Midas Resources toll-free at 888-292-2709. That's 888-292-2709. And remember, if you read the Midas Report, you'll receive a free Walking Liberty Silver Half Dollar. Hi, I'm Mark Craighead, founder of Crossbreed Holsters. I designed our top-selling holster, the Super Tuck Deluxe, to solve the problems of being poked, pinched, and gouged while carrying concealed. The Super Tuck Deluxe is the most comfortable, most concealable holster on the market today. We offer a two-week free trial and a lifetime warranty. Visit us at crossbreedholsters.com. Don't forget, crossbreedholsters.com. Go solar for cheap. Want to use solar power but the price is too high? Now you can build your own solar panels for less than $200 at 123CheapSolar.com. Don't laugh. We've sold over 45,000 solar do-it-yourself kits. Watch the step-by-step videos that even non-handyman types can use. We offer a 60-day money-back guarantee. Go to 123CheapSolar.com or call 800-713-0486. 800-713-0486. Reduce your foreign oil dependency when you go green with 123CheapSolar.com. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. We want to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And if you want to catch up on past episodes, we have hundreds of shows for you to download direct from theparacast.com. That's theparacast.com. Or check us out on iTunes. We're in the final three segments with Ron Regeer, longtime UFO investigator who's done on-the-scene research. He's not just the armchair guy. He tries to get down and dirty, get the details. Another armchair researcher is not amongst us. It's me, actually. I do the armchair stuff. I don't go out in the field much. But Chris O'Brien's out in the field all the time. In fact, most of us want to keep him there. I'm Gene Steinberger in the Paracast. You know, as Chris did not laugh when I said that. I did laugh. I just held the mic away from my head. Okay. Well, all right. Let's us go back to disclosure and stuff like that, Ron. Okay. Now, the other thing is about UFOs. As you know, a lot of people have suggested over the years that E.T. is maybe the least of it. That UFOs are part of a number of mysteries that may also include Bigfoot and all sorts of strange paranormal-related encounters. It takes us into the realms of John Keel, Jacques Vallée, and others. Have you ever gone there? Just out of curiosity and, and uh, curiosity and, uh, yeah, it, it's fun. I mean, if I don't have fun doing this, I'm going to quit. When the, if the day ever comes when I cannot have a good time doing this, then I'm going to quit. And let's face it, Bigfoot and mermaids and undersea cities and Atlantis and all of these different paranormal events are interesting. They're intriguing. And they may be interrelated. I don't know. That's why I'm working on this. My latest for the past three years has been wondering, did the star people really get in their action with the 
Puebloan, ancient Puebloans, uh, who, who now we might call Zuni and Hopi. Uh, did they really interact? And if so, how would we know that? So I've been studying that for three years. I think the answer is a resounding, hell yes, they have, and maybe still are. We had a so, really good know, segment with uh, Clifford Mahudi, who was a, a Zuni elder uh, and a friend of mine now. And and I think he did pretty much, Gene. Uh, he did he did confirm that, that uh, their tradition says that they uh, it may even have ongoing interaction with non-human uh, intelligences. But in terms of the past and their star star knowledge and their, their ancient traditions, oh, they absolutely, uh, he, he said they absolutely believe that. In fact, he kind of yeah, hinted around that they still do. And, and it's, it's recorded. There's written documentation of this. It's called their petroglyphs and pictographs. And that's what I've been working on documenting. Um, Chris might be venturing up this way one of these days soon. I'm going to take him out to Coal Canyon and show him the petroglyph of an alien, the, you know, the one I sent you a picture of. Right, right. Oh, it's fabulous. I mean, it's unmestakable. Yeah, and you can take your own picture of it and say, my goodness. Uh, Masao, their, their god of the underworld and their legends, uh, very, very briefly, Gary David's done a tremendous amount of work. If you haven't had him on Paracast, you must. Yeah. And, uh, for example, the, during their sojourn between worlds, according to Hopi or ancient Puebloans, I think Hopi Zuni all share the same background. Maybe we all do. The earth has been destroyed several times. We're now in the fourth world. But between worlds, God always saves. Every culture, God saves a certain group of good people. And in the Hisatsinam culture, that was no different. God sent them underground where they were cared for by their ant friends. Hopi for ant is Anu. Hopi word for friend is Naki. Okay, so basically we're talking about the insectoid legends again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they, they are Anunnaki. Where we heard that. We heard that from Zachariah Sitchin. That nut in the Middle East studies. Or maybe he's not a nut. Maybe he stumbled onto something from another direction. So we've got these divergent cultures that all seem to be pointing in the same direction. And, and that's one of the fascinating things. And, and that's right here where I live. That's, that's uh, where you live. Yep. Arizona, New Mexico, Colorado, and Utah. That is the Garden of Eden for these people. Now, I wanted to get into this, expanding it more. So do we have to assume it's E.T. and not some intrinsic race like the crypto-terrestrials from the late Mactonies? Give me some evidence and I'll go with it. Uh, I try not to make assumptions. I try to work with evidence. Okay, well, we don't have evidence here of where they come from. We only know they are here now. Well, and there's the Hopi legends. There's there's talk of it. Sure, but they weren't on the other planets. They may have someone come here and say, hey, we're from Zeta Reticuli. We're from the skies. We're from the heavens, whatever they may say that applies or is understandable to the indigenous species at the time. That doesn't prove okay. anything. No, I'm not talking about proof. I'm just talking about evidence. There's a difference between evidence and proof. But the evidence doesn't show us where they're from. It only shows us they are here. Okay. But the, uh, uh, let's, let's go on to what the evidence is, and then people can draw their conclusions about what, the, what it proves or doesn't prove. Okay. Fair enough? 
Okay, we have uh, petroglyphs that's in Natural Bridges National Park. It shows a discoidal-shaped object from, and, and it's either taking off or coming down because it's a still photo or still picture. We can't tell. Well, let's let's get let, let me back up a little bit. People look at petroglyphs and pictographs as art. They're not. They're a written language. Some of them may be art, but they recorded events that happened in the lives of the people who recorded them. And so we have one of those records underneath one of the bridges at Natural Bridges National Monument in southeastern Utah. And it shows a discoidal object surrounded by dots which indicate something of the gods, something revered, something holy, that is either coming up or moving down. This object is also present with what you might call chupacabras. It's also present with other beings that are there. So we have this craft that looks remarkably like a modern UFO that's of the gods. We have the legends of Masao, the big-footed god, and we have his pictographs all over. Uh, I can take you or anyone who's interested within a couple of hours and show you a couple of panels that show Masao, the god with the big feet. I'll take yep. you out of those, Chris. And so we have these depictions on rock that repeat the, the verbal legends of the current people. So they've either been keeping these legends for over a thousand years. Why? Well, maybe they just like to tell stories. But most people aren't aware of how the legends are continued. It's an oral tradition. I'll tell you what, we'll get into the legends and the oral traditions and all that stuff in the next segment. We have Ron Regeer, longtime UFO researcher, works with MUFON. We have Chris O'Brien, longtime field investigator and author and co-host of the show. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. Is there a secret UFO agenda? Do strange creatures from the darkest corners of the mind roam the earth? Is there evidence for mind control, time travel, or devious government conspiracies? Find out the inside scoop on the latest conspiracies, paranormal activity, and Freudian phenomena when you subscribe to Tim Beckley's Conspiracy Journal. It's jam-packed with stories, special book and DVD promotions, and the best news, it's absolutely free, sent right to your mailbox. Plus, a bonus free email newsletter sent out every Friday. Simply send an email with your name and address to MrUFO at WebTV.net. That's MrUFO at WebTV.net. Find out what they don't want you to know. Oh, 
before you purchase any water filters, you should know there's a superior American-made water filtration system available. This water filter's housing is made of high-quality stainless steel, and its filters outperform all others in the industry and are the only ones that exceed EPA standards. It's a gravity-fed water filtration system requiring no electricity or plumbing. It removes chlorine, chemicals, and dangerous biological pathogens, producing quality drinking water for less than two cents per gallon. Plus, its filters can be cleaned up to 200 times. What is it? It's the Aqua Rain. Owning an Aqua Rain means you own the best money can buy. Learn more and see other quality emergency preparedness products at myaquarain.com. Use the GCN code and you'll receive the book Do-It-Yourself Emergency Preparedness absolutely free. To order, visit myaquarain.com or call 800-585-5077. That's myaquarain.com or 800-585-5077. I'm concerned about food for my family in the event of an emergency, and I know you are too. Are you ready? Don't wait for an emergency to happen. Put a plan together now with quality dehydrated food from Ready Reserve Foods. For nearly 40 years, Ready Reserve Foods has been in continuous operation canning the finest in dehydrated foods. Other companies just broker canned foods. Ready Reserve is the manufacturer controlling quality from start to finish with double enameled cans and nitrogen packing for maximum shelf life. Ready Reserve offers a balanced selection of fruits, vegetables, dairy products, proteins, and grains. Choose from a variety of pre-selected units or order by individual can to customize your own plan. When you purchase from Ready Reserve Foods, you are buying factory direct at wholesale prices. Call today for a free catalog, 1-800-453-2202 or visit readyreservefoods.com. Call 1-800-453-2202. Ready Reserve Foods, factory direct, wholesale pricing. If the cost of your prescriptions are getting out of control, you want to listen carefully to this. RxDrugCard.com is a simple, innovative program designed to give individuals the same purchasing power as large HMOs and insurance companies. As a member of RxDrugCard.com, you'll enjoy savings of up to 80% on all prescription medications at over 52,000 USA pharmacies, including Walmart, Walgreens, and Eckert's. Don't risk ruining your health by using cheap, counterfeit foreign drugs. This program provides savings on safe, genuine, FDA-approved medications. Medications with low membership fees, unlimited use, no age or income requirements, and coverage for all pre-existing conditions. RxDrugCard.com is an absolute must for anyone who pays for their own prescriptions. Enroll today for as little as $4.50 per month at www.rxdrugcard.com and start saving immediately. RxDrugCard.com is backed by a 30-day money-back guarantee. Visit RxDrugCard.com or call 888-216-2461. That's 888-216-2461. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. You've entered another dimension. You've entered the Paracast. We're talking to Ron Regeer, a longtime UFO researcher. Chris O'Brien is the co-host. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. Okay, so granted, something inspired them to make these petroglyphs. Something inspired them to tell the tales, the oral right. traditions. That doesn't tell us where they're from. It only says they are here. 
or they were here then, and they anticipate they're coming back. We have the Dogo tribe in Africa that pointed out to Zeta Reticuli long before people knew it was there, and said, that's where we're from. That's where the gods came from when they well, brought us here. They, they, gave, they gave us a knowledge of uh, Cirrus C way before we had telescopes and the ability to, to scientifically ascertain the existence of Cirrus C. Uh, yeah, and if we look at the layout, and this is Gary Davis' work. I will not take this as my own because he's done some important work on this. If we look at the layout of the Hopi villages on the desert floor ranging all the way from New Mexico into California, we find out that there is a mirror image of the heavens replicated in the position of those villages. Yeah. Most specifically, really? Orion. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, a, it's a layout, it's a mirror image of Orion uh, terrestrially arrayed in the sacred sites and uh, locations of pueblos and villages. Okay, but you know what? Let me just ask the obvious question here, the devil's advocate question. Okay, so strange creatures, strange advanced beings come here, and they say, we're from the skies, we're from Zeta Reticuli, whatever. Why do you believe them? Because they seem to parallel almost every other sacred people's stories. Because they are a moving factor in the lives of these people. Let's, let's take something people are more familiar with. That would be uh, Christianity in our culture. Most people are familiar with Christianity in your audience. And why do they believe Christianity? Well, if you get right down to it, other than the good stories, we find out that the 12 apostles lived as if everything they heard was true. They died as if everything they heard was true. They died and lived, lived and died believing what they had been taught by the person they believed to be God. With such strong feelings, such strong emotions, and such strong beliefs that this was carried on for 2,000 years. Now, we can understand that in Christianity, but we turn our backs when it's our red brothers. You know, I'm not even disputing the fact that these things happen exactly as depicted, that uh -huh. they did meet these higher beings. They came down in what appears to be advanced aircraft. That doesn't tell us where they're from. It only tells us that they exist. Does it matter where they're from? Well, you know, that's the question. We want to say, is it E.T.? Is it interdimensional? Is it time travelers? Is it crypto-terrestrial, something intrinsic to the Earth? You know, you say, where's the evidence of any of it? Well, the evidence we have is that something strange is going on here, that there yeah. appear to have been interactions between us and them, that they about will say certain things about who they are and what their purpose is here, but that doesn't mean we necessarily have to believe them. That's what it boils down Other to. Other than belief. the fact that, yeah, it's like one doesn't have to believe anything. Yeah. I mean, you can go, there's people who believe crazy stuff, too. Yeah, but you know, but say you're visiting one? a primitive race. You're the guy oh, from Zeta Reticuli. And you have, of course, the no interference prime directive. It's part of your edict. It's part of your way of doing things. So you have to come to Earth, and you want to look about those primitive humans that are coming along pretty good, and maybe we'll have to interact with them on occasion. Well, but they have their daughters, right? Okay, maybe we did. Maybe, yes, maybe there has been intermingling between us and them. Either way, if not, if they're not interfering with us, if they are 
asked who they are, they might give a cover story. They might. They might tell the truth. Well, in terms of the public traditions, we'll we also have the whole... And, and the, the, all, all I can say is we have to look at what scant evidence we have and then use our guesswork, use our intelligence, use the tools that we have to determine what's going on. And that's what, what all research is about. And that's what most of us do. Now, as long as we don't make things up, we're on pretty steady ground. It's when we start making things up we get shaky. So, exactly, but there's all from? sorts no. of traditions. There's all sorts of traditions in the Native American lore that talk about uh, non-human intelligences that aren't from other star systems. Uh, I mean, just the elemental uh, legends of elementals and diminutive peoples, uh, yeah. or evidence of, of like we mentioned before, the uh, insectoid ant people that live underground. Uh, they do refer, Gene, to to other types of non-human intelligences that are that are very terrestrial. But uh, it's the star knowledge information that I think intrigues most people because um, it, it ties in with uh, the UFO phenomenon. And, and this is a very, you know, this is a real uh, popular subject right now in the culture. And, and it's coming more and more to potential head because if we look at what's going on, December 21st, 2012 has become, in many people's eyes, more significant in the past few years than, let's say, 25 years ago. I would say 25 years ago, all three of us were here. Most of your audience was around. And if anybody said, what's going to happen in December 2012? People say, uh, Santa Claus? I don't know. But now it's reached a point where people seem to have an understanding that possibly something of significance will happen. Okay, so is this being prepared for disclosure? And the reason I'm going to bring that up again is let's go back to the possibility that UFOs are a physical spacecraft from elsewhere. They've been around here for maybe thousands of years watching us. Or maybe there are different races that have come and gone. Now, over the past decade or two, we've become more and more accustomed to accepting the possibility of life out there. There is water on the moon. There is water on Mars. We have Earth-like planets. We have the Goldilocks planet that we've heard of recently. The Goldilocks planet, not too hot, not too cold, perfect for our form of life, the so-called M-class planet. Is that part of a gradual disclosure? Rather than having it happen one day with a president or the head of the U.N. General Assembly says, hey, folks, this is it. We've got to announce what's going on. They Maybe that's so what gradually that about. We wake up one day and we know what's going on, but it took 20 years to get there. Maybe that's what the um, whole 2012 thing is. What do you think? 2012, um, the year of disclosure. Possibly. Now, I want to go a little bit far out on you and your audience right now, and that is that if that scenario you were discussing about is this you know, disclosure, and I'll say, yeah, but it isn't going to be government. It isn't going to be uh, President Obama or someone like that. President Palin. Yeah, but even if she's elected in 2012, she doesn't take office till 2013. 
Yeah, what I'm saying is disclosure two weeks later. will be because the spirit that guides and controls the universe will want it disclosed. And I know that's getting a little bit on the spooky woo-woo far out land. That's my belief. That's not based on any evidence other than a belief system. Make so you think a clear. higher agenda is going to be the agent of disclosure, not us lowly humans? Uh, I think that is the agent of disclosure that we've been seeing made manifest throughout the, the history of, of the human race. I'll tell you what, we'll have to get into more of this as we progress towards the final session, the final segment of this week's episode with Ron Regeer, longtime UFO researcher. He's been at it for 50 years, longer than many of our listeners have been on this planet in any particular capacity. Our co-host is Chris O'Brien. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast. Are you ready to order the official Paracast t-shirt? You asked, we answered. We're now taking orders for the official Paracast t-shirt. It comes in white, 100% cotton. The front of it features the same logo that we have on our community forums. On the back it says, separating signal from noise. To order the official Paracast t-shirt, here's all you have to do. Visit our new online store at store.theparacast.com. One more time, that's store.theparacast.com. You can use a major credit card to place your order for the official Paracast t-shirt. Hey, neighbors, we have one more thing to talk about, and that's more merchandise at the official Paracast store. We have hats, we have jackets, we even have a flip video camcorder customized with the Paracast logo at the official Paracast store. It's all now available at the official Paracast store, store store.theparacast.com. Special announcement for our Renaissance Charge customers. Have you ever wondered what it would take to make your car run on 100% electric power? What about making a motor into a generator? How about a simple device that is both a super efficient motor and generator at the same time? What if this could also be used to restore useless batteries and save you money? Because you, our customers, asked for it, we have organized a Renaissance Conference Workshop on November 13th and 14th at the beautiful Coeur d'Alene Resort in Idaho. Not only will you see these fascinating energizers, but for the first time, you will be able to build some alongside genius inventor John Bedini. Register now while there's still room left to participate in this truly historic event featuring our cutting-edge alternative energy Tesla technology. Visit r-charge.com. That's r-charge.com for details. Or call 208-772-4514. That's 208-772-4514. Alex told you the government announced recently that the recession is over. It ended on June of 2009. The millions of Americans unable to find work might not agree. Perhaps the recession ended for the bankers and government employees, but for the rest of us, things seem to be getting worse. Gold and silver haven't heard the news either. They've begun their long-expected journey to the moon. In addition to converting your shrinking dollars into gold and silver, you should consider a food savings account from eFoods Direct. They both make fabulous investments. 
Food is our greatest dependency, and we know it will be more precious than any financial resource. You and your family need food to survive a crisis, and you can't eat paper, stocks, or metals. Alex has been urging you to invest in delicious, easy-fix meals to enjoy now or save for long term. This will freeze the cost of your food while you can still afford it. Visit eFoodsDirect.com on the Internet or call 800-409-5633. That's eFoodsDirect.com or 800-409-5633. It's the winter cold and flu supplement sale at HerbalHealer.com. Take advantage of Herbal Healer Academy's incredible savings on the best cold and flu supplements available. Many of you know elderberry is exceptional against viral infections. Right now, Herbal Healer Academy has elderberry power. Regularly priced at $16.95, now incredibly low at only $10 for 60 vegetarian caps. For children and seniors, our Herbal Healer Academy Flu Away Elderberry Liquid is only $13 for a 4-ounce bottle. Also on super sale, olive leaf capsules, oregano oil plus capsules, and our incredible respirate formula, oregacillin physician strength capsules for your lungs. Normally $34.95, now just $25. Hit the winter specials link at herbalheater.com for these cold and flu supplement specials and other on-sale products like apple cider vinegar, brain power, and neuro recovery. New customers get a free catalog with your first order. Log on and hit the winter specials now at herbalhealer.com. On air, online, and on demand. We are the GCN Radio Network. You're in the Paracast. You never know what's going to happen next. He emphasizes this, ladies and gentlemen. You're in the Paracast because of the fact that this is the last 10, 11 minutes of the episode. With Ron Regeer, longtime UFO researcher, I'm Gene Steinberg. Chris O'Brien's the co-host. You are in the Paracast. If you have more to say about what you hear on this episode, send it to news at theparacast.com, news at theparacast.com. So basically, if it's meant to be, then, Ron, disclosure will happen. Yes, I think so. There's nothing that can force it to happen and nothing that can stop it. It's inevitable. Okay. But let's look at this then. Why bother doing research if it's going to happen anyway? Why bother looking into this thing? Why do you persevere? Why does Chris O'Brien persevere? Why am I here talking about it? Yeah. It's fun. Uh, The reason is because we are the agents, the facilitators that enable these things to happen. The Spirit of God moves because we move it forward. Good things happen because good people are here making them happen. You know, the, the, these things don't happen by accident. Bad so, things yeah, but if you're saying that, if you're people. saying that, Ron, what about the desires and needs of them, of E.T., of the pilots of the UFOs, our visitors? Don't they control that? To a certain extent, they, but they haven't been. And we have to look at why. why. Why haven't these things happened? I think it's because it's not time yet. It's not, things are not right. So I guess the question is, who is determining that? Is our government determining that, the visitors, the fates? I, I think it's more the, the fates, if you want to use that term. And the grand this is where design. We, we get a little bit beyond... Facts and we start in, entering into speculation and theory and things like that, and it becomes almost a religious argument. And I'll, I'll acknowledge that. 
and I can impose my religious beliefs on someone, and I choose not to do that. But I think in the grander scheme of things, uh, both uh, almost every indigenous culture, and especially the ones in the, that I'm familiar with here in the Southwest, and I think Chris will confirm that, when, when the gods want something to happen, it will happen. And it won't happen until the gods want it to happen. And, and it's our job to keep ready to see it and to be able to open our eyes to see it when it does happen. And, so is that and, part of the function of people like you, that you're doing all this research into UFO cases because you've got to be ready when the truth is out there? That's part of it. Yeah. And part of it is to discover the truth so we can accept it. I mean, yeah. if we look at some of these truths... It's true that the buildings, the structures at Chaco Canyon could not have been laid out by a primitive people. There's no question about it. The, no. the alignments, the precision with which they are aligned and their, their positioning, no question. They, there was some intervention by some superior technology or force. No question about it. Yeah, and the work of Anna Sobel and, and Gary David, I think, will back that up. But one thing we're missing here in terms of what role do, does humanity have uh, to play in the words of the Pueblo peoples at the end of this fourth world. And one of the things that the elders, I think, make very loud and clear is a lot of what's coming down right now in the world a lot of the events that are soon to, to be occurring are due to humanity losing its center and not um, operating from a state of grace or not operating from, from a state of, of uh, an altruistic cultural sense. We're not keeping our traditions alive, uh, degradating the environment. Um, we're seeing a breakdown of, of the family and of morality. And these are the types of things that the elders say that the sky people or their kachinas uh, warn them against. That this, this when you have a breakdown, then things are really going to start to happen. And it's not necessarily good things, especially in the sense yeah, of the hope. Well, it, it, it's, uh, it, it's sort of like the old argument in theology school. Was the crucifixion of Christ good or bad? Well, without the crucifixion, there could have been no resurrection. Therefore, Christianity would be... Uh, uh, hollow shell. So, I mean, the, the, is the coming of the star people and the end of the world as we know it good or bad? It's good. It might be bad for individuals. It might be horrible for masses of the population. But the ultimate good is there will be a cleansing of the Petri dish, so to speak. <laughs> if, if evil is ever to be overcome, then there's there's got to be a time and a place to do that. Yeah, and just to score the chlorine. Yeah, and so we, we you know, it's, it's our job as researchers to, to continue to quest to find out the truth, and part of that truth may be very disconcerting. It may be that 2012 will be a great spiritual awakening. It may be a great spiritual destruction, and it may be physical as well as spiritual. And... When we look at the when we look at the culture, we look at the uh, people that have maintained these traditions for thousands of years. The elders of Hopi, Zuni, and other Puebloans—they're all talking the same talk. They're walking the same walk. Yeah, they and are. And they're telling us the things that they've been telling us 
since the beginning of time. Every great religious teacher has told us the same things over and over, and we choose not to listen. And that may be what 2012 is all about. And that's the scary part and the joyous part. And it's, it's, I don't know how else to phrase it. It may be the worst thing that could happen to some and the greatest thing to all of humanity. Okay, we only have a few moments left, Ron. Where do you go from here? What do you plan to be doing in your research in the months to come to at least keep up your discovery of the great mystery of UFOs? Well, I'm going to continue researching the petroglyphs and pictographs. Uh, I'm writing a book about it. Uh, 2012, The Star People Return is the working title. Uh, I'm continuing my work with MUFON. Uh, we're rewriting the field investigator's manual to make that more up-to-date, more relative. Uh, the overriding consideration is to have it available electronically online so we can readily update it. That'll be happening early next year. And uh, getting out the word that people are basically good, that uh, we're here for a purpose, and let's work together. I, I want us to live in harmony and prepare for the worst and be the best you can. This is, I guess, the bottom line message on all this. But how do you work in the UFO field cesspool with so many different interests and so many competing factions? Well, there's, there's a lot of good people here. There's a lot of good people. And uh, I, I've known Chris. He's a, he's a good people. Uh, there's, there's some wonderful researchers. And I don't want to name names because if I leave anybody out, they'll think, well, I'm not a wonderful one. So I'm just well, saying this is on the air with us right now. And, uh, but it, it's, it, there's... I prefer not to look at the uh, chunks floating in the top of the pool. I prefer to go down to the depths of the pool where the water's clean and fresh. And the big pieces will float to the top all on their own. <laughs> so we don't have to worry about the mudslingers. Yeah, that was a good analogy, Ron. I, I'm going to steal that one from you. As a matter of fact, Ron, you better go patent that before we go on, because if you don't, we're going to have some serious problems. Yeah, here the because- chunks tend to float. Yeah. Speaking of chunks, where can we find your information for those who want to learn more about the things you're working on? Where can they get a hold of you, contact you, check you out online? Uh, I don't have a web page. I probably should do that. Uh, I will make a commitment within the next six months to develop a web page. But in the meantime, you can reach me at... Uh, MUFON Research, M-U-F-O-N-R-E-S-E-A-R-C-H, at FrontierNet.net. Okay, now we hope it won't be spam. It'll be very informative messages, people giving you information, asking questions. Chris O'Brien, where do we find more of your stuff? Well, I've got a website. It's called OurStrangePlanet.com, O-U-R, Strange Planet. It is a strange planet. It's Our Strange Planet. And, of course, I'm always uh, lurking about the forum.paracast.com website and uh, forum pages, so you can always say hello there. Chris O'Brien, thanks for being a co-host this week. Ron Regeer, I'm glad to meet you. Thank you so much for joining us this week on the Paracast. Appreciate it. Thanks, Ron. Presentation of making.
Making the Impossible Incorporated. Tune in next week for a new adventure in the Paracast. 